0: Hey, Blenders, on this week's show, Black Widow wins big at the box office, Space Jam 2 drops, and we have director Adam Robitel talking Escape Room, Tournament of Champions.
1: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership.
2: Hello,
0: Blunders, and welcome. Welcome to episode number 173 of Real Blend, a podcast that knows at least one thing that Michael Jordan is better at than LeBron James. On this week's show, Mm. Black Widow wins big at the box office. Space Jam 2, starring The Goat, uh, according to some people, uh, drops this week. And then director Adam Robitel is going to be joining the show. Uh, He has directed the two Escape Room films, and he's back with the sequel Escape Room tournament of champions and we're gonna have a great interview with him uh coming up in a bit but first i have to introduce the guys i'm gonna start with jake hamilton who's petting his dog uh and he is from fox 32 in chicago hi jake how are you how'd you know what i was doing because i can see you i'm watching you (laughs) remember last time we were in a room together and i threw a rock at you i do remember that yes remember how much my ear hurt me (laughs) when we were together in that room i do Uh, we were also with kevin mccarthy of fox 5 in washington dc hi kev
3: Brother, good to see you. It was great having you over the house this week. Or last week, actually. It was good to see the family. So
0: God, it was so much fun. My boys are in love with the McCarthys, by the way. They think... <laughs> PJ actually said to me... Kevin is so much cooler than you are.
3: <laughs> First of all, I tried propping you up. And for people, I'll keep just 30 seconds. Basically, she <laughs> did. Sean was visiting his wife, Michelle's family uh, about 10 minutes from where I live. So I invited yes. Sean over and we had a cookout with Sean, Michelle, and his, his entire family. And it was Really nice. And Sean read a real blend review oh while my. I was while I was actually grilling. And Sean's wife Michelle started crying during the review. Like she had to get tissues and wipe her tears. And this, this I don't know if we'll ever get to the review on the show, but it's a very special review. At some point we'll we'll, we'll read it on the show. But is Sean it this was, week, Gabe? Is it it's, this me, week? it's
4: not on this week. We're, we're playing catch up on on some, and I, I try to go okay. in order as they come okay. in just just to gotcha. keep it organized. But yeah, so yeah, keep, it'll come yeah, up.
3: Keep a lookout. Keep a lookout for yeah. a very special review that might make you cry just like it made sean's wife cry so yes stay right. tuned House- for that
0: housekeeping um if you're watching us on youtube and you can see jake petting his dog uh thank you for joining us please head down to the descriptions uh and in there you're going to find well first off hit subscribe and turn on your notifications give us a like we're trying to build up the uh the channel there um for if you're listening to us where you get your audio needs met um and you want to join us in video form head over there to youtube.com backslash real podcast we're available every place you get your podcast needs met. And if you want to sign up for our Real Blend Premium, uh, which gives you a free episode. Well, I'm sorry, a bonus episode on Mondays. This bonus. is the week you're going to want to do it because we haven't had a chance as a team to sort of sit down and discuss... The events surrounding the the recent Quentin Tarantino interview, and I think by now, uh, if you're listening to this show, you probably have had a chance to sit down and listen to the two-hour interview that we did live at Quentin's um, New Beverly Cinema, uh, but one of the fun things that came out of the New York interview that we did with him was the craziness that surrounded the the immediate before that. So we're going to make that the premium episode uh, this week. So if you want to make sure you hear the ins and outs, the sort of inside baseball behind the scenes of that, uh, sign up for P- Real Berlin Premium by heading to the description down below, and it'll tell you how exactly you need to do that. So let's get into this week's show. Oh, I'm sorry. One other thing. Because we did that thing with Quentin Tarantino, uh, Quentin and his publicists were extremely nice enough to give us five signed copies of Quentin Tarantino's new book based upon uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and which is
3: crazy by the way that's amazing yeah. <laughs> that we have we can, that we're, can I stop for a second we're giving away five yes signed Quentin Tarantino books correct that yes. is insane
0: yes on our show and so we cool. each we each have signed copies uh ourselves which is nice right? and which we're uh, not
3: giving to anybody we're, these are five separate copies by right. the way just a heads up so we're
0: sharing so head to the description of this episode for more information about where you can enter uh i do apologize this is a u.s based um contest so i know if you're listening to us internationally uh we do apologize but we will try to figure out something for you guys that's special uh, somewhere down the line. So, oh, Gabe oh, is showing Gabe. them. Look at this. Gabe's but you're not gonna? Him. Are you gonna show yourself on the on the screen or no? No, no.
4: This is a tease enough. I'm drop. But but it's funny that we're recording today. I'm dropping these off to the woman at our at Cinema Blend that handles our giveaways and who is going to be handling and shipping these out.
3: Excellent. And I watched Tarantino sign all five of those. These yes. are legitimately mm-hmm. signed, obviously, <laughs> Yeah, our, our yeah
4: I didn't I uh, didn't forge his signature or yeah. anything like that. <laughs> uh,
3: uh, we we stood there. It was it was he was so cool and and, and I will get into this on our on our on our bonus episode at some point, but not only did he sign everybody's book in the audience, he stayed later and signed those five yes. books. So these, mm-hmm. these were like on borrowed time. Like he had a dinner to go to and he was like, yeah, no problem. I'll sign them. And there was no pushback whatsoever. Yeah. So the guy.
4: I just wanted to bring those over to brag that I have them, but also so people <laughs> at home know that if you get one, it's that much more valuable because not only is it signed by Quentin Tarantino, but I've handled it.
3: It's been
5: handled by Gabe. And Gabe's
3: address is...
5: (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Weekly poll for this week. Okay, so we didn't do a show last week because we dropped the two-hour. Tarantino, but Black Widow, opened in theaters and on disney plus and we're going to get to the box office uh in a minute and we're going to give you guys our review and then some spoiler talk on it but before we get to that uh, i'm going to throw this to kevin kevin the weekly poll is where would you rank black widow uh in terms of the mcu movies and i'm not asking you but i want to ask you what you think the audience said Uh, i gave three options upper tier mcu middle of the pack or bottom third of the mcu where do you think they went
3: I, it's it's interesting to me because I feel like it falls in in between the first and second option in terms of like how I feel the film la- plays out in terms mm-hmm. of like upper tier and mid tier. I don't think it's that black and white. But I think our audience, it's so interesting because the the reaction to that film has been so positive and we all really dug the movie. Mm -hmm. But in terms of upper tier, I'm thinking about our audience. I mean, upper tier is definitely like an end game, an Infinity War, Civil War, Winter Soldier. Those are upper tier MCU. So I'm going to go with mid middle tier, but I'm also, I won't be surprised if upper tier made the cut.
0: Middle of the pack got 60% of the vote and upper tier is third with 14%. Okay. So 26% Whoa. said bottom third of the MCU.
3: That's
6: and I'll, that's I'll remind so crazy.
0: you we don't know Jake Hamilton's opinion of this movie yet. We we'll have to wait till the yeah. spoiler, the spoiler and talk of the film.
3: I don't think all I don't think any of us here would say it's like a 5 out of 5 masterpiece and I def, I don't think we would put it up there with Infinity War, or Civil War uh, or Winter Soldier, but I think it's better than bottom tier and I think it's slightly better than middle tier personally.
4: The wording, I, the wording I'm of the poll you. could be misconstrued because it's bottom third. So someone could get kind of technical and be like, "It's at the top of the bottom third, and that's still <laughs> middle." Like, okay. you know, I don't know. Gotcha, gotcha. Because, like, yeah. speaking of that bottom third, like at the bottom of the bottom third, you have like the Incredible Thor Hulk two. and Thor yeah. two. But at the top of that third, I like I don't the know, Hulk. You've got this isn't movies.
0: science. Like, it's just, we're just I like gauging. the Hulk more no, than like, Black Widow. Oh, Gabe wow. brings
3: up an interesting point because bottom tier MCU, Thor 2 is probably the bottom of the barrel.
7: No, right? it's one of the God, worst... No. Thor 2 is no. awful. Uh, Iron Man I... 2 is far
0: worse than Thor 2. I know it's not. Yes, it is. I th- well, okay. I think collectively, most people put those two at the bottom. Most people will Iron put Man... those two at the bottom. This is an
3: argument for another time, but Thor 2, we can all agree, is terrible, right? Actually, I actually it. disagree I think it's with terrible. that. I also honestly don't think it's terrible.
0: I'm Ooh. not sure that Marvel, I'm not sure arguably that they have a terrible movie. No, honestly. I don't think they do. That's you know. fair. I Thor, think there's just some Thor that aren't as good as the great ones. There's fun things in, in Thor 2. Well, like, it's the it's the moment. It was a little. Whenever I did a, I remember,
7: I've only, I've only seen it twice. Uh, whenever I did a rewatch before Endgame, I remember getting to Dark World and like almost dreading it and remember thinking like that was significantly better now i'm not saying good but significantly Mm -hmm. better than i remembered it being and iron man 2 was significantly worse
3: we are all on different wavelengths when it comes to thor just to clarify for our audience like i don't love ragnarok they love uh, ragnarok's top five ragnarok's top five is top tier yeah. It's not top tier. Mm, I, I don't think it's it's it just is. It's Kiss, as Gabe says. But it's see, incredible. I love Thor 1. I love Branna's film, and I, most people don't love that one. I so like I'm that one a lot. I like, lot, like that, too. Boat. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Let's all cry about the fact that Thor The Dark World was supposed to be directed by Patty Jenkins. Uh, really? And I did not know C- that. Oh, yeah. And then through creative differences, she left... Uh, and Alan Taylor, who directed multiple episodes of Game of Thrones, stepped in to replace, but never really cared for the material. And that's why Thor of The Dark World comes off kind of half-heartedly. in DC One, uh, where Patty Jenkins uh, left off because they snatched her up for Wonder Woman. So things kind of worked out for her in a really good way. And she dodged a bullet with Thor of The Dark World. Okay, uh, let's talk about a different sequel. Escape Room, a Tournament of Champions. So this Escape Room movie uh, escaped me. Uh, sorry for that <laughs> awful pun. I didn't watch wow. it, um, but I caught up with it after the fact when we were getting to sit down with uh, Adam Robitel, who has this sequel coming out, because he made it for like $9 million and it went on to gross like $170 million. Like it was extremely profitable in a January slot where sometimes you drop a horror film and it just connects with an audience. And it's, you know, loosely based on these escape room uh, things that you can go to as a group and they're they're team-building exercises. But in these ones, of course, if you don't solve the puzzle in the rooms, then you die. But they're very practical sets and they're very elaborate traps. And it's kind of fun to watch these people go through them and figure out who's going to solve it and who isn't. So they have a new one coming out. It's called Escape Room Tournament of Champions. We got a chance to sit down with the director, Adam Robitel. He gets really uh, in-depth about horror... Uh, and where the genre is going to go and filmmaking uh, moving forward and has some really great insight into uh, the whole process. So I think you guys are really going to enjoy this conversation uh, with Adam Robitel on behalf of Escape Room Tournament of Champions. I would love to know just with a sequel, you know, we get about nine minutes into this movie before you plunge your characters right into the action. And so I want to know the difference between um, not having to spend a big chunk of your film educating your audience, you know, on what the what the concept is versus being able to just really hit the ground running and plunge your characters into escape room type concepts.
5: Yeah, it was a blessing and a curse. I mean, I feel like we, what the first movie had with educating the audience and then with the characters, you know, feeling like maybe it's still a game. You got some humor that I felt, I, I actually kind of missed from the sequel in a way because it's so severe so quickly. Um, but we also felt like the the benefit of that was like you said, you don't have to educate the audience necessarily. They know what they're getting. And so for me, it was, it was like, okay, if there's going to be a sequel, certainly we want bigger, badder, meaner rooms. But we also, I like the idea that Minos has, they're super manipulative. They're manipulating every aspect of your life. I think coming out of the pandemic in particular, we can really relate to these supernatural forces in our lives that we don't, that we don't really have agency over our lives. And I think that's something that's really a lot of us feel right now. Um, and, uh, and, and so for me, it was like, okay, how can we expand the game? How can we take these spaces that we really relate to, whether it's a subway car or a motel room, and then, you know, through the trauma of our characters, turn those into deadly spaces. And um, it was tough. It was really tough because we did sort of all of the big, you know, we did fire, we did gravity, we did gas in the first movie. So coming into this movie as a PG thirteen movie that can't rely on on gore, and that was a mandate for my producers initially. Um, it was like, shoot, how do we kill people? You know, it was like, and how, how do we make it visual? And how do we, you know, and so it was like I, I had remember being a kid in Boston on old train cars and going through tunnels, and I thought, you know, how cool would it be if if a train car derailed? And then from there became okay. Well, what would the threat be? Okay, electricity, third rail. Okay, what if it turned into a giant Tesla coil? And so that was sort of the the the, the wellspring of like the creativity was like a Nitos is much bigger than we thought. You know, they they have games all over the world. B, you know, nowhere is safe. You know, um, and uh, so that, that and, and then figuring out the the rest of the rooms was really challenging you know um i wanted to do lasers but you know i haven't seen a lot of great best in class lasers there's a lot of doubt we could pull it off um and then i thought okay lasers security system okay what about a bank you know we found this awesome art deco bank in cape town and it was like this amazing location um and uh and then like the beach like anecdotally you know, I, I like the idea of going through quicksand. That was always a fear of mine from an old Lassie episode I had seen. And uh, and it and, <laughs> and, always and, raised and, as a
7: kid to think that quicksand is going to be a much bigger deal than it ends up being in life.
5: <laughs> it's true. No, it's true. You're like, you're like, oh, I'm, oh okay, I'm fine. You know, you climb up, you know, uh, but, but it was like early, I was like, okay, what about like a cool like ancient temple? And we did all this cool concept art and it looked really cool, but it didn't feel like a, an escape room movie. It felt like an Indiana Jones movie. And so and we we were like okay what about a beautiful cape cod beach and so it was an iterative process and certainly the hardest part of it was coming up with the spaces um and uh you know that felt right um and we always say like minos unlike other traditional horror movies and look i love you know i love the cubes i love saw i mean i love those movies to death literally um but the, the mandate was to make these spaces beautiful and make it look like its own universe and so i was more influenced by finchers the game than anything else i think in terms of like the way minos minos i see them as like the johnny ives of death rooms like they really they pick out the wallpaper and the sconces and they like they really engineer the space to be beautiful and so that was always the philosophy
0: adam i gotta punch in real fast and just let you know we got to exclusive uh exclusively debut one of the images from the film and we got the uh we got the beach scene you know which ends up becoming like a a sort of artificial, you know, modification of a beach. And when I got yeah. it, I looked at it, I was like, I don't think this is finished. Like that looks like green screen. <laughs> it looks. Like, is it supposed to look like this? And then in context, you realize, oh, okay, well this is just part of the
5: room. <laughs> yeah, I got- well, I mean, well, that's, that, that, that's part of the technical issue. Like, you know, uh, you, they come out and it looks like a live action beach, right? And I, as the filmmaker, my studio says, well, you're not going to be able to do CG you know beach for the whole scene like that's so i'm like okay how do we get that gag how do we do like the holy shit are we outside like it's a doctor who episode but then we built we built into the puzzle oh okay they take a photo and at the end of the day they're still in a room right and so it's it was taking a cue from the first movie with the ice room gag and then only going a little further with it which is like a full 360 and then yeah and, and that the trans light that you see that's a massive piece of fabric where we took a photo of a South African beach and we lined it up and then we printed it on like this huge piece of fabric that like covered the entire set. And it was, I mean, it was super challenging to figure out how to do that, how to light it. You know, um, but at the end of the day, yeah, they are theatrical, but they are in a room, you know, they, and so we use that conceit to our advantage in a way that I think makes sense. You know, you want the claustrophobia. It wouldn't have made sense to make it feel like an open aired space the whole time yeah, yeah because yeah. then, then you would, you wouldn't feel that, that claustrophobia. Um, so, um, and each room had its own challenges. You know, there was no subways, there's no train cars in, 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 South Africa. So my production design team led by Ed Thomas, like we built they got a three d model off the web or somewhere. There was two scale of a subway a New York subway car, and they built it, you know, and like little things like you know, the, when we have the kids running through the turnstiles and running down the the stretch of the uh, of the train station, that was one little pe- section of a build that we did. And we had to do all these tricks of bringing in new actors and new stunt performers and just just with wipes and with cuts to make it feel like it's like this long, vast train station. So, you know, each room was like a whole film school for me to learn how to, you know, and it's, they were, they're they're big ideas, but like in a smaller budgeted movie. And so it was like, it was, every room seemed like, oh my God, we're never gonna, you know, this is, how are we gonna survive? Oh God, the beach is next week. What are we gonna do? the beach itself it was re- it was all practical sand i mean we had 22000 kilos of sand that they brought in it smelled like a dead crab uh-huh. i mean you know we air, we air, the special effects team aerated the sand and liquefied it and after about a minute the actor would start to sink and oh shit! But it's bubbling, and it looks like oatmeal. Like what? What is? Oh, what, you know, it, 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 it was going going in their eyes and scratching their corneas. And you guys know, you walk on a beach for even ten minutes, and you're exhausted. And we had yeah. forty forty people on the oh. set trying. You know, it was it. So each your one calves like must a, must
7: be huge right now.
5: I am the biggest cans in all of my townhouse <laughs> complex, for sure.
7: Uh, Adam, I, I want to talk about the idea of, of horror sequels, because for every, you know, Aliens, you know, one that's great, you know, we have a, a, a Jaws 2 or a Jaws 3 or a Jaws 4. And I'm sort of curious uh, what lessons, if any, as a director, you've learned from past horror sequels that didn't work that you can look at that and go, OK, because they did X, Y and Z that's a good lesson to maybe avoid that for my own horror sequel.
5: Look, I mean, sequels are really hard. And I, you know, I'll be honest with you guys. I tried to do an origin story of a villain and a first attempt at this movie uh, that did not work. And it became clear I wanted to do an or like I would still love maybe four movies down to do an origin sort of like who the puzzle maker is and and again that who is that Johnny Ives behind the scenes like that's an mm-hmm. interesting story. I didn't want to do the same thing, but what was clear to me after the first test screening of this fir- other version that I wanted to do is it was it was because it was a Zoe revenge story. Ultimately, I didn't have enough screen time to like go into this whole other B story um but i didn't want to do what we did on the first movie and i think in some ways we sort of do that i mean we we give them you know yeah it was hard it was hard uh, you know i i think the more you explain about behind the scenes of minos the less scary they are the less omniscient the more you know them the more you know and so that was the thing you know and um uh, uh, i knew i wanted to deliver on on um bigger set pieces, but the again, the idea that they they manipulate us and that every choice you think you make in your life is is a fallacy and is a lie. I think is very resonant today. You know, we had a pandemic where an entire our entire lives were just like thrown to the wayside and everything we thought we knew was it was challenged and the paradigms have been shattered. And so I think that's the takeaway and that's where we got with the sequel is this idea of there's no free will, which I think is a cool thematic hook for you know I, I, the idea that there are the Illuminati out there. I like the idea that Minos. Not only do they do death rooms, but they start plagues and they topple governments and they create crane, plane crashes and a- anything that they can do and bet on and have entertainment, they 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 will. You know, um, so uh, I, I rambled a little bit. I don't know if we if I nailed the sequel. It, it, all I know is it, this is the sequel that this movie needed. You know what I mean mm-hmm. in a way. Mm-hmm. um and, and it's it's a very hard you know aliens and aliens you, you know i think there's just like three sequels like we could talk about that are like almost on par with the first movie and it's you know so it, it's definitely challenging and um i i i'll always think of the things later that i should have done or could have done but you know no, it's man. also moving it's a, it's a moving train too and the other thing is like the studio is like okay we need another one. You know what I mean? And I, I would have loved to have spent another year on the script. You know what I mean? But they, they're like, Oh, you got to hit that date, you know? And so it's, it's, you've gotta, you got to, you got to work quick and uh, for better or worse, you know?
0: Well, I thought this was wildly entertaining, man. It honestly is. It, it Like you said, a, a, a train is a great way to describe it because it never stops moving from the time that it that it kicks off. So um, I want to get into the rooms really quickly, though, from this perspective. Uh, I thought that the sets were absolutely incredible. I'm glad you singled out the bank because the bank is great and the lasers, the way they use them, are great how long do you try to protect your actors from being able to see the room? Like, do you try to capture any authenticity with them seeing it for the very first time? Or do you let them go into it and kind of explore it and figure it out? Because they do a great job of, like, in the moment trying to figure out, like, where should we be looking? Where are the clues? Kind of thing.
5: Yeah, look, I mean, I, I, there's certainly a world... If we had more time, like, I would almost love to shoot in a way where they don't even know where the clues are. But because... Everything is so designed and, you know, the lasers is a great example. Like it's all to, it's all perfectly to the math of like my special, my visual effects team. The, when India Moore's character steps on that first laser seven lasers go on. Okay. The next time they step on, they trigger another tile seven more lasers so you have to know exactly where they are because oh shit you'd be vivisected if you were standing right here you know what i yeah, mean yeah. there were many many times we were standing around like just like oh shit you'd be dead if you were right here right now <laughs> so, you know <laughs> kind of kind of thing but yeah, to, answer your, to answer your question what i do is i typically a day before we'll get a rehearsal in we'll get them into this space uh just to, so they know where they're ultimately going to be going and they can build that into their blocking Um, you know the train. You know the train. They have to know where the certain things are because if you get there on the day and they're like, "Where's the Z handle?" You know, it's like you're just you're burning time. Yeah. So unfortunately, a lot of it had to be sort of like pre baked in. I, you know, talking about sort of just the 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 actors themselves. I'm always sort of curious. It's particularly
7: when it's when it's a large group of actors. How much their off time offset and you know in between days shooting uh matters to you as a director like do you kind of want them to all be hanging out like do you want them to all go get drinks and have dinner like at night in between or is it important uh for them to all have their individual time would it make you feel better as a director if you knew they were all getting along as friends like is that even anything that you have a right to say as a director like what what <laughs> like what does their relationship mean to you in terms of making it make the film better
5: I mean, I, I had an early, we were in South Africa, so we did like a day of bonding where I had them all. We went and did a safari kind of thing and, and you know, petted a cheetah and stuff. And, and so, it, look, at the end of the day, they, they all make their own alliances and friendships and stuff. And I, I try to let them do their thing. I mean, you know, look, I, I, I'm a film geek, you know, and I love, even if I wasn't directing something, I'd be down on set every day through osmosis trying to learn. I, these movies are hard because, you know, on the page, it might say, you know, Zoe comes over here and does this thing. Meanwhile, I have five other actors who who don't know what they're doing, you know, in that moment. And I have to figure out things for them to do, blocking that makes sense, character logic stuff. So it's like, it, it, it's a lot of moving pieces uh, in terms of like what they do. and And I usually you know, some of them will go out and have fun and, and do stuff at bars and stuff like that. I'm usually at home in the fetal position on the floor, you know, uh, crying about what I didn't get that day. So, you, you know, um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, look, I think that a sense of kinship is, is good. And, you know, and in a sense of animus too, there, there, there's a pressure cooker that, that, that happens. And, and, um, I, I, I think some actors, a movie like this is such a, the set pieces become the star in a way. And, you know, it can be frustrating for certain actors because they are used to just meaty drama stuff with a lot of, like, pathos and a lot of text and a lot of stuff to do and say. And they are beholden to the space in a way. They're being put into this meat-churner, so to speak. Um, So, you you know, um, some like it more than others. I mean, Logan Miller, I mean, I think he has a voodoo doll of me because I literally you know, in the first movie, I crushed him in a room, (laughs) I I crushed him in a room in this room, He's in a tank filled with, you know, Hungarian water that's cold. And so I think by the end of it, he was just like, go to hell, dude. You know, like, <laughs> you know, um, so uh, I, I it's funny because I I did some stunt work early on and I, I would love to be hanging from a cable and, you know, and getting that rash on my leg and like, you know, just doing that stuff. But, you know, some people don't, you know, it's like it depends on who it is, you know.
0: We were talking to the director of Spiral uh, recently and one of their traps involves putting Sam Jackson in a trap. And he was just like, (laughs) he's like, you better, you better know your shit that day.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Oh man.
3: A reverse band trap motherfucker. (laughs) That's
5: hilarious. Oh my God. I'm getting, I'm getting hives just thinking about that. Like the prop not working and like Sam Jackson just going off on you. and Oh,
0: that's <laughs> um adam the one thing i love about these two films so far is that you get to the ending and you very clearly tease like i've got more story to tell um I, without having to give away any specifics you know about your ending i want to know do you decide very early on like we're going to have a tease the ending you know we're not going to bring it to some sort of conclusion does that decision made for you where the studio is like no this is a franchise keep it going
5: you know you always want to end on a high note i think uh, part of the the fun of the finale of this movie is that it's like a mindfuck. And so, yeah, look, they're serialized, you know, and uh, again, I, you know, there's so many different directions you can go in. Uh, I, I, I do like drama and I like story. And and so these are meant to be roller coasters. And so I I think it was sort of the world that we've set up is is sort of that kind of thing. And and meanwhile, and, and you want them, in this bingeable kind of world where you want people to go oh fuck what happens next you know and so that was definitely sort of the mandate um and i didn't want to do a closed ending i thought it would be too pat if somehow you know uh, you, you want to feel like the you know it's a game of chess and uh and you know zoe's a, a mouse in a machine and there's a head of elector somewhere who really kind of likes her but isn't re- quite ready to let her go yet you know mm-hmm. so
7: you know, Adam, um, horror is my favorite genre. And one thing I always thought uh, was interesting about it is that it kind of comes in waves in like eras, like late 90s, early 2000s, are very much sort of the slasher, the screams. And then I know what you did last summer. And then we kind of got into sort of like the torture porn, you know, with, with, with Saw and Hostel and those films. But lately, I've had a hard time like kind of figuring out what era we're in because there is no sort of definitive type of horror movie coming out it's a whole wide range you know from films like this to Jordan Peele films I'm sort of curious as, as, a, as a as a director of this genre like
5: where do you think we're at in this genre right now I mean, I always, you know, you always take a, key. it'll be really interesting what comes out in the next few years after our lives have been upended the way it, yeah. they have. And, and, you know. Do you, I, do you like think a, Latin... a pandemic era is coming? A pandemic, like, like. like... I, ho- I hope, I hope not because I just think like, we've lived it and like, I would not, like, I've seen a few pandemic scripts and I'm like, I, I like, I don't, I, I, by the way, like escape from being locked in your house. Like, I don't, I don't know if that's like too soon. You know what I mean? Um, but, um, yeah, look, I mean, I, I'm a fan of it all. I love, I'm, I, I'm writing, I, I have this crazy sci-fi horror alien invasion movie that just will blow your mind that we're trying to go set up now and it's super fucking cool. And, and uh, but like, I in terms of the waves, like, you know, I, I don't know that there's, all I know is the genre is here to stay in all its forms and it's still kicking ass at the box office. And uh, it just seems like the, the, the suits and the, and that those with the purse strings are starting to finally wake up to the fact that, we are impervious to even plagues. Our people will go and see a fucking movie even, you know, (laughs) even at the hands of a deadly virus. So, you you know, I think it's a great Renaissance, um, you know, um, and uh, I I don't know if it'll ever be a wave of the way it was, like you say, you know, such a dramatic, like here's what these movies are. Scream is coming out, there's a new Scream coming out, you know. uh there will invariably be another Texas chainsaw, Candyman. So I, I think it's just robust and it's it's I don't think it's fitting into any one bucket anymore. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. To that um, end and
0: because it, franchises keep coming back around, you mentioned Scream, you know, w- which one would you love to get your hands on? Which one would oh, you love to yeah. what sandbox you want to play uh, yeah. in?
5: You know, I, I'm I'm really all about trying to do originals right now. You know, oh, nice. I my, my I just I can't. Uh, a it's so hard. You know, to you go in, you have a lot of hate from people who have love certain properties, and and also I just so that's what I'm trying to do. I have an original. Horror series that I'm going to do next with uh, Darren Aronofsky as a producer um, that I'm super excited about. It uses addiction, the opioid crisis, is a jumping off point for a genre show. Wait, is, it, is this like a Requiem
7: it, for the Dream? Like Requiem for a Dream? Like a horror version of Requiem for a Dream? No,
5: that was a horror uh,
0: movie. Yeah, <laughs> that's true too. I, I, yeah, yeah. That, that
5: was <laughs> just one of the scariest movies ever made. It, it just, it, it, I, there's not much I can say about it yet, other than it, it uses addiction as a monster and it's super fucking cool. And you know, uh, so that's where I'm going is is just trying to do not like what i did on the first my first movie which was deborah logan um you, you know to take alzheimer's and then turn it into a possession movie here i'm trying to use addiction as the same kind of engine you know but uh, yeah i, I want to do originals i i don't want to you know i the stephen king properties and stuff it's like yeah I, i'm not i'm not good enough to do a stephen king you know what i mean it's like so yeah. i'm gonna ah. go i'm gonna go i'm gonna go break myself on something that nobody can blame me for ruining you know uh
0: so, oh, but a king adaptation, yeah, a lot of fun. <laughs> it could be a lot of fun. Um, you know, I want to also get to the way that Jake is talking about horror, and and it's being used a lot. You know, this Purge movie coming, and Quiet Place brought people back to the theaters. That's a genre that they're using to lure people back to theaters. Um, yeah, you're with Sony. It's not getting a streaming version. It's only in theaters. How important is that decision to you?
5: This movie is such a theatrical experience. I mean, the mix alone, the the, the music, Brian Tyler's sonic, I mean, the, the music he does in this the, and, and John Kerry is just incredible. And you need to hear it in a good, like I, you know, we, we heard it on our mixing stage, which is like, it's sad that the audience will never, I mean, there's some theaters will have great sound, but the, it, the sound just hits you, you know? And it, it you, you again, it's like going to Magic Mountain where you, you know, you have this experiential thing. And I think, look, I think what's gonna happen in the next couple of years, there's going to be some new technology that's going to come along that mm-hmm. is just going to blow people's minds. It's only a matter of time. And they're only going to be able to get it in the theatrical experience. The sad part is with, with horror, you know, they don't want to spend a lot of money on it typically. So you get the $10 million movies you get, you know, but it's like I, doing a $30 million, like a, like a prisoners, like even prisoners, which is the kind of movies I want to make they're not making them anymore for theaters. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, you're getting, yeah. you know, and, and, so it's that weird conundrum. you get $200 million Marvel movies and then you get, you know, the James Wan movies and, and there's nothing in between. And that, that's the frustrating part of it, you know? Um, but, but yeah, people love being scared in a group and, you know, date night or whatever, just hanging out with your friends and they just, and so that's the, the that's the great secret sauce uh, right now. Um, and we, I think we lost, we lost a portion of our theater going audience for good. I mean, I, you know, if you're an older person, you know, and or whatever, you know, do you want to take that risk? You know, I, I don't know. You know, uh, it seems like right now the kids aren't going back to theaters as much as they want to be, you know, some of these younger kids aren't vaccinated yet. Um, and so I think that the, the sweet spot's going to be these, these horror movies um, and this, Escape movie, Room is different.
0: this movie will bring them back. I I'm very confident this movie. I have two boys. And I, they're both asking me
5: about I, it. So, I hope so. God bless you. You know, um and you know, at the end of the day they're they're PG thirteen, they're 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 lighter fair. I, I get a lot of people saying, I can't watch a saw, but I can watch this and enjoy it. And y- y- you know, the people that just can't deal with blood and stuff. So it, it's a different it, there's a different demographic for it, you know. Um and uh and then I get, you know, the hate 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 messages on Instagram like, Fuck you, rip off a saw and it's like, well, you know, this is this is a different type of world, you know. Oh you're- um, it- that,
7: yeah, that's not but a fair you have to say, Those criticism. are people that watched the trailer and didn't watch the movie.
5: Yeah. Um,
7: I'm, I'm going to yeah. end on on a pretty big, big question. Um, we had uh, John Krasinski on the show for a Quiet Place 2, and he said something that has always stuck with me. I thought was really interesting. He talked about, because I, I talked about how you make something scary for someone who stumbles across a movie in 50 years. And he said something he learned on The Office, which is that when you make uh, a, a genre you don't think about that genre while you're making it you don't make a moment to get a laugh when you're making a horror movie you don't think about like trying to get a scare you just try to make a movie that tells the story and if it scares someone all the better awesome if not the story's still there so in that regards when you're making a movie like this nowhere in the back of your mind are you thinking about well th- this moment needs to scare the person or you or you just tell the story or or how or how involved with the scares like do or like are or, or those in the back of your mind
5: yeah, I mean, look, he, he, the Escaper movie probably isn't the best uh, way to explain that answer. But I think what I always try to do when I'm writing something, because I didn't write the Escaper movies, is is relatability to character. You know, if you're plugged in, we always say if you take the genre stuff out, if is the story compelling enough? You know, the taking of Deborah Logan, it's a woman who has Alzheimer's disease. It's her lesbian daughter who thinks she was rejected, who's trying to take care of her mother. You know, that's a great story already. You know what I mean? Like that push and pull. And if the audience is relating to the leads and you really get them in that story, the drama, the, the pathos, then the scares hap- work because you care about them. If you don't care about the lead characters, it's like you can do the most whiz bang shit, you, you, you know, ever. And the Escaper movies are fast and they're furious and they're sort of, you know, I don't, I don't want to say that they're cannon fodder, but you know, ultimately when I'm trying to write something, I, I really try to get that. What's the human story first, you know, and, and like James Wan is a master of that. If you watch like the conjuring movies, they're a family unit, you know, you really, you really just, so the, when you hear that noise and you do that pan across the room and a door opens up and that little, the little girl is terrified. And she's seeing that thing in the black space of her bedroom, you're leaning in because you're like, fuck, I don't want anything to happen to this kid. And, so much, so often, even when I'm writing stuff, you know, early on, like you, 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 you do try to do the sizzle and the scare before you have the 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 heart of the movie and that so that's that's what i always go back to you know when i'm developing stuff is like do i actually care about these people before the aliens come in or the demon or whatever the the hell the thing is you know sure
0: i know we're running out of time um i want to thank you so much for joining the real blend podcast adam and continued success Uh, man we can't wait to see what you guys do next uh this movie's a lot of fun the whole franchise is a lot of fun and i hope it does really well for you
5: oh thank you very
0: much guys Obviously, we want to thank Sony Pictures Entertainment for giving us time with Adam Robotel. Make sure you check out Escape Room, a tournament of champions when it arrives in theaters starting on Friday.
4: This episode of Real Blend is brought to you by Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Better yet, each week during the Deadpool anniversary, players can complete events and receive even more special rewards and skins. If you want to get in on all the fun of Marvel Strike Force, be sure to use our promo code MAXPOOL, that's M-A-X-P-O-O-L, and thank you to Marvel Strike Force for supporting the show.
1: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently.
0: Box office talk for Black Widow is very strange in the fact that it is split between uh, people who went to the theaters to go check it out, where the film made $80.3 million domestically. But Disney also decided, or Marvel decided, that they were going to also reveal their Disney Plus numbers. For the first them... time. <laughs> yes. To let people know that uh, they earned $70 million in revenue from streams on Disney 70 Plus. 70 or 60. So is it
3: 60? Was it 60. Oh, was it sixty? 60? Okay, 60. sorry. Yeah. Is
0: that in the notes here? Uh, oh, reportedly sixty million dollars, which means, uh, and then when you factor in the international box office, wait, one hundred fifty-eight million dollars in worldwide box office. So that put it at two hundred and like 215? No,
4: no, no, worldwide, worldwide, including. So you can divide that if you want, but it's eighty domestic, okay, worldwide including domestic, one hundred and fifty-eight.
0: One hundred fifty. Oh, so I thought it was. I thought plus, it was over two hundred, and then plus the sixty. Plus sixty. Which okay. Gets plus it over 200. sixty. Yeah. Gotcha. 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 Okay. So. Weird breakdown of the numbers, but I think ultimately, considering the situation, Marvel has to be pretty happy with that. Uh, breaking over $200 million, it's a big number to hit. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it's weird because the next big movie that's going to have this kind of theater streaming split is Suicide Squad. Suicide. Yeah, but you don't pay extra for it on HBO Max. So that's not, that's $60 million of, of instant revenue that goes right to Disney. And, uh, you know, it makes Warner Brothers, I think, reconsider or, you know, at least regret how they set up their streaming model kind of thing. That they're not there's getting a, some sort of influx of cash.
3: There's a few things that I want to touch on in this in this regard, because I find it interesting. So, like, uh, back when we, we've had discussion on the show before about whether or not Disney could have gotten rid of the Premier access aspect of Black Widow and just done a theatrical. We were trying to figure out the mm-hmm. leg- legality of that at one point. But after the box office success of F9 which has made like 500 over 530 million worldwide at this point especially with the opening weekend when i saw that i was like that's going to be weird for black widow because obviously people went out to the theater to see f9 and and it made a lot of money in theaters um and i was little i was worried about what was going to happen with black widow because if the box office number wasn't huge was that going to be like the damning thing where like every article was like the theaters are over movie industry is over movie industry is dead but, you know, to see an 80-60 split is still mm-hmm. really strong. Um, but at the end of the day, I still wonder how much more money it could have made. Because if you think about it, like, my anchor in the D.C. area, his name is Wisdom. He has five people in his household. He had the option to go to a theater to see Black Widow and spend per ticket get concessions. But he's like, you know what? I'm going to spend 30 bucks, watch it at home, and save all that money. Sure. How many other people were in that boat because if you think about okay if wisdom had gone to the theater and spent the actual theatrical price it would have obviously cost him more than 30 dollars. so that box office total then goes up you take that one family and multiply it by millions of families across the country how much more money could have black widow have made so this became an interesting discussion i think where i, I still feel that disney if they could have should have gotten rid of the Disney plus premiere Premier access after seeing numbers that we saw for Godzilla versus Kong quiet place part two. There were so many other factors that already told us that people were willing to go to the theater. So I don't know legally if they were able to disconnect that or not after promising it in ads and things like that. But I'm I do, not sure
0: that yeah. Disney's ever going to go back um, to, oh. to, to not having a split. And I'll tell you I why think they will, but I'll, I'll give you one reason why. Well, actually, I'll give you a couple of reasons why. That eighty million dollars earned at the theaters gets split with distributors. True. The sixty million dollars on Disney Plus goes All immediately Disney. to Disney. With right. the caveat,
4: um, I don't know. I don't know what. Um, it does get split up because I, I believe at least with the Writers Guild, um, okay. that money is counted as home video, and writers get like oh, a crazy chunk of uh, mm. their. Uh, what's it called? dividends i can't think the of the back word. end the back yeah. end the back end comes have? from home video okay um oh so, so that's, they're considering that home video so I, interesting- I believe so i think it's a sort of thing that's going to come up that they're but, that it's not so 100% deals can be reworked
0: white. moving forward to factor that sure. in
4: yeah. i would assume
0: yeah. home um, video is just
4: a term that makes me feel so
7: nostalgic it's such a warm <laughs> blanket of a is. term
0: but the other point that i want to bring up before kev jumps back in is that i have a i have a relatively old setup downstairs for watching movies to the point where, like when I tell you guys I watch stuff on TNT or sci-fi or whatever it is, <laughs> CP, it's not it's not that much different than the TV that I'm running stuff oh, through. Oh God! If I get a DVD player, I had the the ability to enjoy Kevin's setup, right? Which is this. Believe me, it's Kevin and Lauren have invested in a home entertainment system. You know that is top of the line, and the sound system alone, the sound bar and the wraparound sound is better than anything I've experienced in a the theater anytime soon. So if I wow. had Kevin's sound system, I wouldn't leave the house. I would rent Black Widow <laughs> and enjoy it more in your living room than I would have gone to theater. Because I'll add this one other thing. I did a double feature in a the theater uh, last night at a theater I will not mention here in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, it looks like it had not been touched in the three years since, they, since I maybe was last there. And I was saying to Brendan, like, how did they not spend the time when everything was closed to yep. make this look as pristine as possible? You know, like the experience of going was not this red carpet rollout, you know, mm. welcome back to theaters that I probably in the back of my mind expected to see. Sure. Um, and so I I was disappointed.
4: Can I I would say the irony of that, though, is outside of the AMC theaters of the world, which are the, you know, big giant chain. Sure. Theaters are not going to invest in keeping up their experience or enhancing their experience unless they get the exclusive rights to the movies to show them. Because 100%. all that's going to tell them is that their market is declining.
1: Yes. And there's no okay. reason to
4: spend millions of dollars improving their setup if yeah. someone's going to make that choice. So ultimately.
0: who blinks first, right? Someone has to blink first? I mean, Either. I think. I would, say I, I,
4: the, I would say the onus is on the studios to support a healthy ecosystem.
0: Yes, in my I mind agree and you. i
4: believe the
3: artists agree that that's the best way to show their films yeah. mm-hmm. so it, at the end at the end of the day though i think there's a very simple solution here you go theatr I mean, here's the thing we all know that things have changed right streaming is here to stay it's going to be here just shorten your windows that's all you have to do i mean all you have to do is I do mean, black it, dude, isn't
7: it crazy to you i mean to your point kevin a quiet place is now available to stream a quiet right. place too
0: is available to stream right now. A month later, like it's, right. it came
7: out. Yes. Oh no, today it came out today. Right. To and you know what's
0: odd? I didn't realize that movies come off of HBO Max. Like I didn't yeah, realize that The Heights was going to disappear. Thirty days. I guess I, I just wasn't I, aware of that.
3: I think Black Widow does too, and I, I don't, I don't, I don't know for sure. But for example, we bought Black Widow on the TV because I wanted to watch it again. Mm. Um, and I saw on there that I think it's available to all Disney Plus subscribers on October sixth. So I don't know if they're going to pull that. Ooh. And then bring it back. So, but going back to the shorter windows, I I don't understand. To me, this this seems like the most logical explanation. You put Black Widow out in theaters for two to three weeks, give it the exclusive theatrical run, and then you put it in people's homes. That's I think that's the best compromise ever because we had a ninety day exclusivity window prior to the pandemic, essentially.
4: I, per, and I'm I, I'm, uh, I'm splitting hairs. I think forty five days is 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 okay. Is the minimum? I feel sure. Because right, I feel like three weeks is right. not enough of a, of a uh, I don't know what the word is threat is not the word it's yeah. not enough of a, a FOMO like a a, a threat yeah. of FOMO for people to be like oh I'll wait three weeks.
3: Well, Gabe, yeah. in all honesty, I think I, I I loved the ninety day thing because it forced it it, it forced it for that much time. Yeah, I'm just thinking about it logically now from like a point of perspective. Okay, if I'm a major studio, has what's my
4: announced premiere access for anything else
0: after black widow
3: yeah jungle cruise is coming Premier access Oof.
0: Premier yes. access is it really yes
3: Interesting. so did so jungle cruise hits theaters and disney plus premiere access on the same day and to me that's the kind of film that will probably crush at home yeah, because it's family yeah. and and yeah. so and this this comes down to a big discussion now of what films work in theaters and it's it's obviously these gigantic blockbusters the suicide squad thing worries me very much because of the fact that it's basically free with your subscription now we did see godzilla versus kong still crush Mm -hmm. which is a good sign um i just i'm just a little worried i think at the end of the day i do think the theaters deserve exclusivity for a certain period of time. I'm cool with Gabe's 45 days. That sounds amazing to me. I don't think it's realistic. I think that we're gonna have to be like this, like quiet place like Jake just mentioned. Got you got it in theaters evolved. for a month.
0: You have evolved. Because I've you Because you used to at least say, streaming is fine as long as a the theater option is still there. Now First. you want exclusivity. Oh, you said first, you did say, even if it was a week, that's true. Right. That's true.
3: All all I'm asking for is the first run to be theaters. And if it has to be three weeks or four weeks, I would love the 45 or 90. I know it's not realistic. Just give the theaters the ability to be the first. I do think though,
4: I I do think though that there's a larger issue. uh, I agree with the principle of that. And I agree with it from the sense of how we believe the art form should be um, enjoyed and consumed and shared with others at the, uh, in a shared experience. A hundred percent agree with that. I do think that there is sort of to what I was saying earlier, there's gotta be some sort of threshold where the business owners have to have a certain kind of window or the business fails. You know what I mean? Like if you only get a week of a movie and every movie is only in your theater for a week, realistically, is that enough to run a business or do you need you keep it? You can keep it, but if it's not exclusive, then everyone's watching it at home and it no sure. longer matters. But Black
3: like, Widow wasn't exclusive and it still made 80.
4: But we can't, Black Widow, we can't hang everything on a Marvel movie. Sure. The, the, they, they shit out a billion dollar movie <laughs> with ease it's three true. times hey, a year.
0: hey, hey, hey. You're, but I just you're mean getting effortless. dangerously close to disrespecting the sh- the shitting the shitting uh, analogy was not uh, <laughs> an, analogous to
4: the quality. It was the uh, right. the amount of effort that how easy well, <laughs> it is. Yeah. Let's get to a conversation
0: about the quality of the latest Marvel movie. Uh, that Wait, can I ask the a question theaters. before you before you ask or, that? Of course you can.
7: In and all I, I have
3: one box office point
0: I I'd like to oh, make. too. Jesus! I tried to move us on. In all honesty.
3: Kevin how much do you think the domestic opening would have been without Disney plus premiere? And you can't say 60 plus because that's, that's, that's one purchase. I, domestic, per I, th- I think, it,
7: I think it might've crossed hundred, but I, but if so, just
0: barely, I'm oh, saying I think 90. like
3: one fifty. No, no, God, no, no, no.
0: I think most of the people who rented no. it would have just chosen not to go.
3: Yeah, oh, I I, see, I, don't, I don't agree. See, but that—that's. this goes back to my anchor wisdom. He was going to go to the theater when I told
0: him yeah, he that's could what, watch it. You can't it use and, one case as like a- No, no, no. But also, but, let, me, let me say this. It's a family. I, it's not to say that all five of them were going to go. He wanted to go, but once it's a a a process of getting up and going to the theaters. I'm telling you, from my two boys alone, I couldn't drag Brendan to a free screening of Space Jam because he was just like, "It's gonna be on HBO Max in a few minutes." Like your anchor would have maybe gone, and it would have been one ticket. (laughs) But he might not have gotten the four other people to go with him, too. They might have been like, eh, I don't really want to get
3: No, no, he like he makes a point. The reason why I'm bringing him up is he makes a point to go to every Marvel film with his entire family. Okay. So, like, if how many other families out there are like Wisdom? And how much money did they lose? I, yeah. I, I'm telling you, I think it's a lot more than you think. think, think. They, I don't think they I really lost don't. as much as you, as you think. What's your but, box okay. office point?
7: I would like to say from here on out, I think Disney should be required to report how much they make from Disney Plus Premium. And I don't think they should be allowed to cherry pick if it makes their narrative better. Uh, Not just Disney,
0: everyone. Yeah, everyone,
7: exactly. I mean, like, uh, I think the story outside of um the disney plus numbers would have been that the weekend was incredibly front loaded that a majority of the marvel money for black widow came on friday which is usually not a good sign for week 2 whenever a weekend is that front loaded mm, but sure. the story got but that narrative got lost in the disney plus numbers and i think they knew exactly what they were doing in that regard and so i think they should not be allowed to release them for this movie but oh we're not Ooh. really going to release them for that movie because in that sets a really dangerous precedent to the point where like, they're basically telling us what to report as journalists. And so that would be my main point coming out of this is like, okay, like you've set the precedent. You now told us that you can get the numbers that quickly. So I want them for every movie that you put on Disney plus from here on out, whether it's a success or a failure.
3: And those headlines definitely felt very narrative driven. 100%. Like it, it, it was like, it was like 80 domestic 60 million. It was, it was a very, I mean, for me, it was very positive to read those numbers, right? Mm-hmm. It was, it was cool to see those large numbers again, but I agree with Jake. It's like Netflix picks and chooses what numbers yeah. they release, you know, and this is obviously the first time they, that Disney plus released it. So what, other than Black Widow, what other films had this release that they didn't release numbers for? So, cool. Mulan, Mon- uh, Raya,
0: Raya and the Last Dragon, Cruella. Cruella. Wasn't a, yeah, was it a, a rental? Isn't that interesting that we never got yeah. those? So,
3: obviously, do we just assume they weren't good? They didn't do well? Yeah,
0: sure. not not was well it, enough
7: to, to change the story the, the way they needed it to change.
0: Well, right. I think that I think that Marvel needed that weekend number to be big somehow. You know, yes. so they were going to pay as, as many revenues as possible to say, yeah. "Hey, look, we came back with this." So, yeah. yeah. Um, one of the factors I think hurting this film in particular is that we're talking about a Black Widow prequel movie and not Endgame. Like, if this was Endgame, we're having a totally different conversation. Yeah. Um, so I want to start with Jake, and this is going to be our spoiler fill a uh, spoiler free. Version of the chat before we get into any kind of specific spoilers, I will let everybody know and you can skip forward if you haven't yet seen Black Widow. So, uh, Jakey, give us an overall big picture feel about where you are uh, on the Black Widow movie.
7: I think, on average, I think it was okay, and okay. the reason I think it was okay is because I really, really liked the first two acts, the first two thirds, like mm-hmm. very grounded. Kevin nailed it when he sort of compared that very grounded reality to sort of the Winter Soldier, which I very much liked. I loved the family dynamic, um, thought the performances were great. I thought the last act, I was bored to tears. Bored to tears in the last, like like just clawing my eyes out like, oh my God, I just want this movie to be over. Like the the 20 minute, what felt like a 20 minute long, ro- like Ray Winstone, James Bond villain, I'm going to give you my entire plan sort of scene. And like what basically once they got to the Red Room, Mm. I checked out I I thought it was a completely completely just missed opportunity there um and then also I think the biggest thing going against it against this movie is that the Black Widow Scarlett Johansson is the least interesting character in her own movie Mm. like I think everyone else in the movie is infinitely like more far more fun to watch than she is um and and I I just don't you know and I I know that the thing that we've been talking about is when this movie should have come out I don't know how much you can hold that against the movie but um, I'm still not. Even if it had come out in that Captain Marvel spot right before mm. Endgame, I'm not sure it would have made me like the movie anymore. Mm. I don't know. I, Gabe, what are your, you, you I know you just want to
4: earmark for when we're in spoilers. I want to discuss your point about her being uh, the least interesting character in the yeah. film because I can't discuss that. I can't. I can't give my thoughts on that without spoiling stuff. So yeah, I'm yeah. Earmark that for later.
3: In a non spoiler spoiler way, I I I think what you're referring to, I think characters enhanced Natasha and Black Widow, but we can go into that in, in yeah. Let's, spoiler let's discussion. do a roundtable
4: of of reactions, and then we'll we'll dive into spoilers sure. to give
0: people a warning. Kev, where you, you want to continue Kev, Kev, on? Yeah, right? oh, give a star rating out of five. Uh, Jake.
7: three. I would do a three out of five. Great. Um, I'd put it middle of the pack, Marvel. Um, but I'd have to really sit down and like rank them to determine if it's top half or bottom half. Um, okay, mm-hmm. it's it's middle half, but I'm not sure which side of the coin uh, I'm
0: landing on with it. Kev, where are you? Uh,
3: it's so interesting. Like uh, this is one where I feel like it's middle, but it's but it's pushing it's pushing upward. Um, I think for me, in terms of this film, like as Jake was mentioning, the, I rewatched it the other day, and I still feel the same way I did. The first two acts of this film are. Phenomenal. Like the pacing is unbelievably great. Like the opening scene is amazing. Right into that uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit cover in the credits. Yes, right love into those the. I thought Harbor and Rachel Weiss's scenes with the younger kids was incredible, so all moving into uh, Natasha and Yelena uh, meeting again, their fight scene in the kitchen, absolutely incredible, very Winter Soldier, very brutal, very grounded. Um, and then moving forward to the car chase, and obviously the car chase scene has a very Winter Soldier aspect to it as well. And I think... The movie was firing on all cylinders for me, even into the windstone stuff, which we can dive into in the spoiler discussion. Mm-hmm. It's the third act free fall that I can't buy into. Um, now, that being said, that's, you know, I don't know how long that scene was. 10, 15 minutes, the actual free falling action um, down to the bottom and whatever that was. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I felt that that scene was not the same movie I was just watching um, prior. Like there, but also if you think about it, Winter Soldier goes into a huge CGI fest at the end too, right? Sure. With the yeah. with the whole thing with Redford and you know. So it, it's 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 typically a Marvel move to jump extreme in the third act. But I actually really enjoyed it. I, I was I was it was better than I thought it was going to be, and I was worried about the emotional stakes. How am I going to care for a character that I know dies? In a few years later, it still worked for me. I, and, and to me, Florence Pugh really kind of made Scarlett's performance. Those two together, I thought were phenomenal. So I, I enjoyed it. It's just that I do have some of the same problems Jake does. They just didn't affect me as, as much.
0: All right. I watched it twice, um, sort of back to back. Like I watched it uh, with Peach one night and then with the group the next night. And I was dangerously close to going four out of five out of this movie. A four and a half out of five I'm sorry four and a half I was that I was that far along in it I really really loved it and I think the big thing that sets me apart from you two guys is that I can get a lot of that gritty you know street level car chases fights out of born and bond and and all these other franchises I want Marvel to Go above and beyond i want them to have a sequence where a floating base is falling apart and spies are fighting in the air like that's, that's fine it has to look to good
3: me. though it has to look great
0: i think mo- the majority of that looks really good i can't i can't defend the parachute scene it looks atrocious <laughs> um but i think the majority of that from a comic book standpoint looks really good i thought they did a great job of sort of coordinating those action set pieces um Yes, it's hard to argue that Scarlet is not the least interesting character uh, in the ensemble. Uh, Rachel Weiss is not well cast in this movie. Oh, I love her either. in this. I thought oh, she I'm... was okay. I thought she was oh. okay. Um, so I, so I liked Harbor and I liked Florence Pugh, and I thought Scarlet. It's so weird because in the grand scheme of her legacy here, like she's always has to be part of a bigger ensemble. You know, like well, they make, make jokes the about movies. like the
7: main ones. Yeah. right <laughs> yes they Florence do said something about like yeah, the main ones yeah. and, and then natasha says wait what do you mean the main ones
0: yeah but that's doesn't that reflect a little bit what like the mcu audience kind of yeah. feels like whether it's fair or not that's a kind of the perspective of her um i you know kate shortland is just it's weird when they hire somebody like chloe zhao uh as an example for Eternals or Kate Shortland for this, they're not action directors. You know, their, their background is not in action. And I think what happens with the Marvel movies is that they direct up to a certain point and they hand it over to a team uh, of stunt coordinators and fight choreographers and and second unit directors that handle most of this stuff. And and Marvel kind of ensures that like all their stuff is going to look a little bit the same, you know, unless you're somebody like the Russos who's going to really put your fingerprint on it and say like, no, no, we're doing it this way kind of thing. So I think Black Widow falls a little bit into that. So I ended up falling back to a four um, yeah. just because of... Of what the movie is, you know, it is a prequel. It doesn't have the ability to really move the story forward all that much. Uh, we'll get to the we'll get to the end credit scene in the spoiler conversation. Uh, so it gave a good adventure movie to a character who I really liked, but that's what it kind of is. It's a little, it's a its own little standalone piece that's just going to be part of the MCU as a whole. I do agree with the people who keep saying that it should have come probably after Civil War. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if you know, if Marvel gets dinged because their planning didn't allow them to completely get everything as seamlessly as possible, fine. You know, then it is what it is. Yep. Okay, so we're going to transition now into full-on spoiler, spoiler talk. Transition. Thank you very much spoiler for that, Jake. And uh, if you want to jump forward to the next section, Gabe will mark it uh, on both the podcast and the YouTube channel. So now we can talk full spoilers. Kev, give me all the details.
3: The only thing I wanted to say was, I think the entire film... At least until that free fall sequence, uh, which we can now openly talk about, spent the entire movie telling us that Black Widow is a human being, Mm. right? Uh, And and they and they the entire time she can be hurt, she can be she can you know she takes punches and she falls and she and she's feeling those punches. And to me, what I loved about the first two acts of this film. Where that I felt like I was watching a human being who just happens to be an Avenger, right? And then when they really went to that third act and the free falling started to happen, I lost the the touch of that human aspect. I can see that. And I think for me to set up an entire film that grounds, because the reason why I like this film is because of the emotional element of it. It's genuinely grounded. Like there are some scenes where they're talking about what happened to them as kids when they went to Ray Winstone. And like they get into some graphic detail about what happened to them and how they're not able to have children. And like all these moments, they feed into this idea of we're watching human beings who just happen to be superheroes. Yeah. When you go into that free fall I lose I lost that. Like that 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 moment was like you spent an entire movie doing this and now she's falling out of the sky. And to me that it, it was almost a bit of a it just didn't that mixture didn't work for me. I I wish that final scene was a little less CGI heavy. That's all. I I haven't
4: seen it more than once, but I mean I get that there was more involved with debris and stuff and it was, you know, it was marvelled up, but to me that scene just felt it didn't feel um like anything more than Ethan Hunt did. You know what I mean? Like, uh, that didn't stand out to me at all. We gotta stop
7: bringing Mission Impossible. (laughs) But you get my. No, this is more relevant (laughs) because he literally literally jumped out of a plane. Yeah,
4: Yeah,
3: but Ethan Hunt's Skydive and Fallout is so much less complicated and convoluted. It's a very simple one person, two person fall, and you can follow it all. I felt like this was like where do I look like it's almost yeah, like it's, it a was, super, it's, it's a
4: superhero movie. I get that. She's not a superhero, but like, um, sure. I'm a, it didn't stand out to me as all I'm saying. I, I'm not criticizing your point because I'm saying I've only seen it once for yeah. me. That scene worked for me. I didn't, it didn't stick out. Uh, it's not that did, it,
3: I, I, I didn't hate the scene. It just, it just, it just, just sure. felt out of place compared to like, if you compare the kitchen fight and the driving sequence to that yeah. scene there, but it's, it's the, almost like, yeah. different. but sounded to be boring. It's the climax of the, the reading, movie though.
4: If the climax of the movie was like a fist fight in a, Room, we kind of sure. be let down though. Wouldn't we we'd be having the opposite conversation? It, it, but Winter Soldier the
3: has a War. sky, has a sky action scene, and I thought their sky. I thought the Russos handled that well. Like I, I the whole thing with Sam, with uh, with Bucky and and uh, Steve in in the uh, whatever that floating thing was in the sky.
0: But you might worked. give it a pass because Steve has powers. Possible True. that you give that a pass because he has
3: right because you can buy into it. Like like I, at the end of the day, we've seen Black Widow do things that are not human. Uh, you know in in terms sure. of like action but when you spend a whole movie building her human character then you take her up to that like non-human aspect it's disconnected
0: you know what me. she can't do is survive a fall from a cliff in Vormir. <laughs> oh, see
3: oh, what you just brought the whole thing down okay spoiler alert man
6: okay
7: do you guys find that the um my my one spoiler sort of nitpick is that the Budapest joke is just a little weird to me now, now mm. that we know that they're talking about killing a kid. Like, the whole, mm. like, you and I remember Budapest very differently. <laughs> Do you oh, think yeah, there were that that time specific... we killed a child? That's what is they were it, doing.
4: I... Uh, was that in Budapest? Yeah. I well, thought they just um, had a different thing in Budapest.
7: I
0: don't remember the, that.
4: The Budapest
7: thing. Yeah, cause cause is... because remember she talked about, like, oh, we had to hide here for two days after we. Oh, that, yeah. Like, okay, that was there. when they,
0: well, You're talking about they wiped out Ray Winstone's daughter? Yeah. That happened in Budapest. Is that why yeah, they were getting I, attacked by all the people? I,
7: I thought that's what they. I thought that that's that's Budapest. What her, that's, Budapest. Budapest. <laughs> that's what her <laughs> and uh, Jeremy Runner were doing there. That's you know, that's them in Budapest. Truthfully,
0: right. I I thought that the whole. I thought that there was going to be an explanation that said like. No, there's of course she didn't kill it. And it's not that she of course she didn't kill the child. It's like, oh, she did try to kill the child. The child yeah. just survived. Child, so yeah, but but she yeah. pushed the button full blown <laughs> thinking she that did. I'm going to kill this
7: young child. And so kind of that's kind of what they're talking about when they say like you and I remember Budapest differently. Like it's a weird yeah, joke no. now. Yeah.
4: That's a big but, but that that one of the that's one of the moments when I was texting and was not spoiling stuff cuz Jake hadn't seen it yet that like it's an adult movie. Like it doesn't yeah a sure. different mcu movie would be like oh she accidentally killed a kid yeah. and she's dealing with the grief of it this is like yeah. she chose to kill a kid for the greater yeah. good but see, I, she yeah. thought was right i thought and for herself, civil
7: war did a better job of handling the like, and hey, sometimes the- civilians have to die if we're going to mm-hmm. do this kind of thing because um, they've done that before and it's a very interesting theme to take and obviously batman versus superman touched on that as well it's one of my favorite sort of like more adult themes that, yeah. that this genre has picked up on yeah. uh, in the past few years. And they could have done it better here and have it done more, it better in it the It was past. more
4: personal here. The, 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 yeah. the, the Tony thing was like, if I'm remembering correctly, it was kind of scene. like the concept yeah. as a whole of their place as superheroes or, yeah. or whatever and what they do. I, to me, it felt like they made it much more personal to her. Yeah. Obviously, when you get to the reveal of Taskmaster... It felt it felt much more narrow than that, than of yeah. her just sort of debating the idea of collateral damage. Yeah. It was about this specific instance. Mm-hmm. I, uh, one thing I, did, I wanted to touch on that earmark of um, kind of a two two points. One, you mentioned that she's kind of the least interesting character. And then, um, Sean, I think you said it's one of the points that's kind of been made broadly, mm-hmm. which is that it should have come whenever it's set in the timeline. Mm-hmm. But I think they do enough in this to, to make me disagree with that, or to at least justify it, in the sense that I still enjoyed it as a Black Widow story, but the other characters are more interesting because those are the characters that we're going to continue to see.
6: Mm.
4: The potential to see, at least. Mm. We're going to keep seeing Florence Pugh, oh, and yeah. I think when you get to the end credits scene, the Black Widow in the title Black Widow is now her. Like that's, It's a passing yeah. of the baton, and I, and I think it coming right now... It it to me it justified its existence uh in when it was released versus being back then, it, like what would have happened with Florence Pugh,
3: yeah, following that like what if she was just going to show up yeah, all yeah, of a sudden yeah. with the other right, team, yeah. right, right,
0: yeah. In I fact, thought the end is... credits
3: scene was so well done, like that was like I, I loved that passing of the torch the way they did that and kind of like I'm now I'm very and now I now I'm actually more interested in to see what's going to happen with Renner, and I, I loved... off
4: how great is it that this this whole Marvel TV show thing we've been talking about is how far is Marvel going to take it? How much how important are these going to be? And you kind of really need to have seen Falcon and the Winter Soldier in order to get whatever the hell she, what she was doing in this movie, right?
7: Yes,
0: but this but, movie but was wasn't, supposed she was, to... yeah.
7: This movie was supposed to be her debut, right? Sure, yes, sure.
0: yeah. But so you it, don't it need just... to have
7: seen Falcon and the Winter Soldier.
0: Well, it makes more sense in makes the grand much more scheme um, if you realize that she's essentially putting together her own sort of team because yelena it's implied has been working with her for a while yeah um they already have a relationship and now um valentina we're talking about julia who drives character Thank you, yes. uh, is recruiting uh u.s agent played by wyatt russell and uh and is putting together other team the, the team theoretically is probably going to be called the thunderbolts and there's a character uh general uh thunderbolt uh thunderbolt ross played by william hurt who I think got underutilized in this mm-hmm. movie because uh, he's in it very briefly. And it's part of that. That's, it's, you know, the first two acts are very born to me. You know, <laughs> like he's deceiving the people who are chasing yeah. him. He's he's somewhere else and kind of spying on them. Um, but in terms of building out other stuff, that's going to affect stuff going on down the line. I felt a little bit more about this movie, as sometimes you guys have said about the TV shows, which is are they going to have an impact on the MCU at all moving forward? And to me the only scene that stood out was that end credit scene about like oh okay this is how it's going to push the story forward in a way. Now I liked Yelena a lot as a character and so I do want to see where she goes with it. I hope she just doesn't mimic what Scarlet was. I hope that she actually becomes something she, totally different in terms she's of She's already she plays totally it. different though,
4: I think. Mm-hmm. I think I think Scarlet the way that she played Black Widow was a very uh, cold uh, she wasn't cold. She has very warm moments and that's kind of her whole arc is is us learning more about her from being a kind of side character. Yelena, I think from the drop, like the whole, the quote where she's like, that would be a cool way to die. She's a much more dynamic character. She's a much more exciting and fun, quippy kind of character that they can play with moving forward. Her
7: making fun of the poses was great. Like, and she even like tried
4: one and was like, yeah, "Yeah." Where like black widow's best (laughs) quip, which is not a criticism. She's just not that kind of character. Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow's best quip was like, "Are we still friends?" Like that's like the most we got yeah. <laughs> in the middle of a yeah, fight, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah.
3: But I, I like I like her presence in the Avengers, and I think she's a, a, a very interesting character in that sense. But I do agree that Florence's character seems to be more dynamic in that sense, and I'm I'm actually really excited to see what she does going forward. To be honest with you, I I actually really want to see that with the moment the movie ended. And it's funny because like I haven't been super stoked about Phase Four moving forward. I, I, there's been I'm very excited about Doctor Strange, but at the end of Black Widow, it was the first time in a long time in my body that I was like, oh, I can't wait to see Florence Pugh and Renner meet and have that exchange. How mm-hmm. is he going to explain what happened? Is she going to believe him? Is like th- I'm all in on that.
4: Is that going to happen in his series, or is that
0: going to happen? Think so. Okay. Yeah. Oh, is that a be.
3: that's a series thing not a movie thing comes out later assume, this year? Yeah, I was saying, yeah, Hawkeye yeah, Hawk oh. is coming to
0: Disney Plus. Do do we know that Pew?
3: Do we know that Pew? I yeah. Shot. She, yeah, I think she is yes. in it. Yeah, she's in Okay, it. so yep. all right, so 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 clearly they'll meet in this. See that that pisses me off. I want yeah, that I to be, be out in a as movie. A, I was
7: I was I think part of the reason I didn't super love that post credit scene is just, I just sort of thought like okay, like I'll watch that on Disney Plus. Oh,
3: see like, that that's exactly you guys that's are a problem. No, no, we're not jaded. I, I think at the end of the day, because the it Marvel, made, the Marvel Cinematic quality. Universe, like to me... All right, can I, I, think, can I, I, I think offer we're a all suggestion, though, of
4: why I say this? If we get 20... if Let's say in the next five years from now, they're still going strong, and they keep making series at the clip that they are, you won't feel that way. It's just different. And I think once See, you get used to it, you'll, be, you'll have an expectation for this, you'll have an expectation for that. I don't think it'll feel as disappointing as you just made. Yeah, it. but it
7: will be a but, lower expectation.
4: Yes, and my I don't in know my if that's issue, necessarily true. Loki's great. Lo- Loki's, Loki's, very great. Lo- yeah. Loki's, Loki's very good, Loki's very good.
3: but I will, say, I will say this. The moment I pl- hit play on Black Widow, I saw an immediate shift in production. Sure, okay. from, I'll tell From you, Falcon well, I'll t- and WandaVision. It is so far beyond that production scale The fact that they would actually continue that amazing Florence and Renner conversation in a series to me sounds like they're like sidelining it. That's a that's an
0: MCU movie narrative. I agree with you to this extent. There was a moment in the opening sequence of Black Widow where David Harbour is on the wing of that plane and they kind of tilt it one way and he rolls from one side of the thing to the other. And I turned to PJ and I said... Marvel movies just hit differently, you know, like the action is just that the movies are better. But here's my defense. I think the TV shows are still so early in their production cycle that they have to get. They'll get better. They're going to figure out how to do these movies, uh, how to do these series. They feel and... minor
3: league, though. They like uh, like Black but... Widow feels major league. Loki, uh, Loki is actually approaching major league, especially in episodes four and five. I'm actually digging that. But Wandavision and Falcon, no offense to those no, shows, no,
0: no. they were minor league shows. But listen, I'll tell you what's even more minor league was Agents of Shield. Agents of Shield was an ABC sitcom, right. and now we have got the Disney Plus shows, which I think are a step up, and I think they're only going to evolve as they go forward.
3: I think, I've, I hope. I mean, to Gabe's point, Loki has won me over. Like I'm like once Sylvie came into the picture in episode three, and now we're on four and five, and we had the Richard E. Grant stuff and Alligator and the, basically the Groot character of the Loki uh, the Loki storyline. I I got started getting excited. Honestly, watching Loki at home when we got to episode four and five. That felt like Marvel Cinematic Universe movie production level. But to Sean's point, Harbor on the Side of That Airplane, had that been done on a television show, would not have looked anywhere near as good. Like that, Sean, I agree with you. I I actually paid attention to that shot the other day when I rewatched it. It, it looks really good. Like, Harbor looks like does. he's actually on the side of an airplane hanging yes. off it. And there's yep. no, like, bad blue screen or green screen. And I think, to your point, and I agree with you, Gabe, I think that they're figuring out the series stuff. And it'll eventually, hopefully, get to that level. Loki is approaching that. Loki yeah. does feel like that now. I, I see Feige on screen there. But <laughs> I don't know. Do you guys really think that the renner Pew moment should happen on TV?
4: I just, I don't think that that's a thing anymore. I don't think it's TV. It's streaming. I honestly it's feel own like thing. I know
7: what, like, like they're going to fight and there's going to be a misunderstanding and then she's going to believe him. Like, I feel like I can already see how this is going to play out in Hawkeye. does
3: she kill Hawkeye off?
4: Well, someone awesome. I, heard, I hope so. I heard someone awesome. say, <laughs> what if, what if, because uh, what she says is your next target yeah, and what if that wording is not meant to be? She's supposed to go kill them. What if she's just supposed to go recruit him for this new team? And that's because Hawkeye
0: of... was a member of the Thunderbolts, actually. Mm-hmm. So it might not so. even be confrontational.
3: Necessary.
4: But
0: Florence
3: leaves that scene in anger, for sure. Like, well, I, at least that—that's a... how know. I felt that scene was. Like, oh, I, well, she, was I, I thought... she
0: does. She has a line that says, "Like, do you want to get back at the person who did who did this to your sister?" Yeah
3: any shows say get back. oh yeah okay. yeah like to me i the, the way that scene played for me was that at the end of that scene i was i am ready for a yelena sure. and 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 clint fight sequence yeah. and that, 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 that i am but, ready for that moment
4: but jake to what you said i mean yeah it's a it's a giant superhero movie like yeah of course you know what's gonna happen like that's kind of yeah I but like we've been through 20 I, I, something would I, don't, I don't think that's me. something
7: that like we should just accept, like there are ways yeah. to do this well then maybe they won't maybe they'll know. surprise you
3: i hope so sure i hope so I, I i listen i i i want these marvel series to be great but at the end of the day nothing i've seen in the marvel series so far has impacted me emotionally that's like saying
4: you get to thor and you're you're not convinced of the mcu you know what I mean? Like, like that's like saying I, know, you I was get convinced in Iron, man, Iron One, man, man. Iron Man Two, okay. But you get I was point. convinced. On Iron look man. at Iron Man <laughs> yeah. Two and look yeah. at game and you're and that's what you're comparing. But, these two. but Gabe, I, I do you oh, agree
3: I, the production jump from TV yeah, to movie is it,
4: yes. absurd? How yeah. how crazy the jump is? But that's I, I think that's just logistics that they'll
0: figure out if it becomes... and money they're spending far more money on the film. That's my point.
4: Like like yeah. think about these these first few series. They were like not necessarily a blind bet, but they were like, hey, here's our initial investment. Here's the amount of money that we're willing to spend to see if this oh, pays wait. off.
0: I'll put it into a context that I totally understand. Like I get what Kevin's saying. If they told me that No Way Home was going to be a Disney Plus series, like Spider-Man No Way Home, I w- there'd be a part of me that would be like, ah, shit. Right. <laughs> no, I get, I get that. I'm just <laughs> talking
4: about moving forward. Ah, they keep getting better. And I yeah. think that You're saying right. that like they're always going to be uh, uh, lesser than is not necessarily true. Yeah. Loki's
3: Look at episode how many great Netflix five. series
4: that we love that we yeah. think are better than giant dramatic movies that come out. You know, yeah. like...
3: Uh, uh- I'm I'm starting to go towards that path because of the last two episodes of Loki. I'm starting to see as I'm we're, we're branching towards it.
4: We're recording but, this before that finale drops. It's really going to be interesting to see if it oh sticks to yeah. the
3: oh, oh, yeah, no. we got to talk about that. Dude, okay, I'm going to throw something out there. We need a Sylvia Elena uh, fight scene, by the way.
0: How cool <laughs> oh, would that no, but you know, Okay, but um, in Hawkeye, they're introducing one of his protégés. Her name is uh, Kate Bishop, and it's played by... Haley steinfeld which i think is ah, really good casting so
6: yeah.
3: dude yeah. imagine a yelena sylvie a, scene and she's a movie star so we're assuming she's going to be in the movie, movie you know? what are you
4: saying a renner isn't no but my point is well that's different this is all movie she's stars a recording so. artist for god's sake <laughs> all right jake go ahead you've been trying to say something no, I, was,
7: I was just gonna say i i'm curious as to how you guys feel when i say the following statement it's 100 true Uh-oh. i have not loved a marvel project like truly genuinely from the bottom of my heart loved it top to bottom since Infinity War. That's just wrong.
3: I loved Endgame, but I'm not right. too far off from where you are. Right.
7: Okay, so we're one, what, we're one or two movies. Like we're not that far. Like like truly loved. Truly loved. As opposed you're to like, I, right. I I liked I liked Far Did From Home. Did you love you loved Far loved from Home? I loved Far From, from
3: loved Home. Far, I, I know, know, oh wait, 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 I loved Far From Home. I forgot that I forgot yes. that came out after like Endgame. Yep. So forgive me. I clarify. I've so my last love of okay. MCU films so is Jake, Far From Home. so Jake, hold
4: on for a few more months until No Way Home few comes out. A few more
3: months and, and <laughs> oh,
4: yeah, yeah. I do cool. love Far but, but From I Home. But I didn't, okay, but Those my
7: I, I didn't love, I, did, I didn't love Far From Home. I, I liked Far From Home, but I didn't love Far From Home. Infinity War is the last I Marvel project Dude. I love.
0: But you're so wrong about Endgame. Like, that's just, that's boils Damn, down to you being wrong about Endgame. Jake, I and love you. You
3: are wrong about Endgame. They're so wrong <laughs> about it. I rewatched Endgame the other day. It is outstanding. Ask me like, what
7: happened is... when I when I rewatched Endgame. Couldn't finish
3: it. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait a second. Dude, so you would
4: you, you're, tell me. would you say your would you say your game?
7: Whenever I whenever I get an Endgame mood, I just YouTube like the last fight. That's what I do.
0: Uh this weekend movies. There's a movie called Pig. Which I don't know much about, but Jake is excited to see.
7: Oh my god, I want to see it so badly.
0: Nicholas Cage? Too. Is it Nicholas Cage? movie? Yeah, what and a
7: great Nicholas, like 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 pristine Nick Cage is back, baby.
0: What is it? What is it? A period movie?
7: So he he apparently is um and I I don't I, I, aside from watching the trailer once I haven't taken too much of a deep dive because I kind of want to be surprised by it. But okay. he is sort of a guy that lives out in the wilderness alone. He has a pig, um that that uh, hunts truffles. Mm-hmm. Um and for like upscale high class um uh I think like Pacific West Coast restaurants and someone comes in and takes his pig okay and and in the trailer you see him like like kind of do this like almost like a taken it. It, it it for a moment you think it's gonna be taken where like you know I will I will find you kind of thing but then also like it looks like he's he is someone or was someone because he shows up at these like super high class restaurants. And of course, like they don't want anything to do with this guy, and then the people start going like, "Do you know who this guy is?" Like apparently, like, he's he very much runs in this upper upper class of it. And it, it looks like it just touches on so many different worlds. And then also, I am I am so in for like like great Nick Cage mm-hmm. and Nick Cage that dives dives in. Um, so I am, I am one hundred and ten percent into this movie. I very much uh, cannot wait to see it.
0: Okay. Uh, There's a movie called Die in a Gunfight, which is opening limited. I saw the trailer that would be for this. A cool way to die. And it struck me as a kind of uh, throwback to 90s era uh, Go and um, Boondock Saints and all those ones that sort of were inspired by Tarantino. I have not seen Die in a Gunfight, but I have seen... Gunpowder Milkshake, uh, which is coming to some theaters, including the New Beverly, where it's going to be played on thirty-five millimeter film, uh, and Netflix. And this is Karen Gillan's film. Um, it's her answer to John Wick, essentially. It also stars Carla Gugina and Michelle Yeoh and Angela Bassett um, and one other actress. Who I'm forgetting. Gugino, I believe is how you say. Carla Gugino, Gugino. Carla Gugino. Um, and one of the actress who plays Karen Gillan's mom, who I'm blanking on. Oh, now. Lena Headey. Uh, Thank you very much. Um, who else has seen it? Have you saw it? I saw it. Yeah. Jake, you saw oh, everybody's That's seen it. Everybody, um, I was really disappointed in it. Um, I thought it was going to be the, it has. it has a one of the best trailers <laughs> I've seen because I, I went back and rewatched the trailer yesterday because I was trying to pull screen grabs out of it to run for our stories. That trailer is cut perfectly. Mm-hmm. And the trailer of like Paul Giamatti shows up in it like it's one of those movies where you're like, oh, this is going to be great because everyone who has a, a scene is going to really crush the hell out of it i don't i can't put my finger on what went wrong but i don't know if it's just paced wrong or edited wrong or something but it never caught me up in the story like it always just felt like uh like a rip off of of so many other films yeah but it
7: ripped off a lot of movies without seeming to understand what made the movies it was ripping off great
0: okay yeah that makes Um, sense
7: you know like it, it definitely like it you know it's uh, a John Wick meets Kill Bill. Really, you know, would love to be Tarantino, but it seems like the filmmaker, the editor, the writer didn't seem to understand like what is it about those movies that are so awesome to us, other than you know, kind of the basic core plot, the general principle of of, of you know the structure of the movie. Right. Um, yeah, I was I was incredibly disappointed, and uh, and again, I you know, for me. Boredom is such like a weird complaint to say, but like in movies where you should absolutely positively beyond measured not be bored, that's when I tend to bring that complaint. And like I used that word for uh, F9 a couple of weeks ago because that is mm-hmm. not a movie that you should be bored in. So the only mm-hmm. time I ever bring out like the word like boredom as like an actual true legit criticism are in movies where that's the last thing you should possibly be. I should not have been as bored in this movie as I was. I, and it's also, it's just, it's weirdly toothless as uh, is, is, is a word I would use to describe it.
0: Which again, watching the trailer, um, the trailer makes it seem so badass. Yeah. You know, like there's a moment where Carla Gugino is saying, like she turns to the little girl who they're all protecting and says like, put these on these headphones because I'm going to make a little bit of noise. And then she whips out this gigantic, you yeah. know, machine gun. And that trailer in the, that moment in the trailer plays like gangbusters. Yeah. And in the movie, it doesn't. And I yeah. can't figure out why. It's just so weird that something about watching it is like, I don't know if it's taking itself too seriously um, because there's another there's moments that if you describe on paper, they would sound amazing. Like there's sure. a, a whole fight sequence in a hallway where Karen Gillan has her arm dead, you know, because she got a shot in the arm. Great, from that's one of a the good villains. scene. Yeah. It's fun, but I still feel like for like some reason it should have been cooler and I just don't I, I don't I can't can't fully explain why this movie didn't work for me. Did you like it more than us, Kev?
3: I liked it a little bit more than you guys did. I actually okay. thought um and, and I don't disagree with the the idea that the trailer is worlds beyond the film. Like the I mean the, the trailer is a masterclass. It's like the Suicide Squad trailer for the the Air film versus but the film itself isn't as bad as Air's movie ended up being. Yeah. Um I genuinely believe that it's forgettable. Um, did I enjoy watching it? Uh, it's interesting the the bored aspect of Jake bring uh, that brings up is interesting because I wasn't bored, but I was uninterested in the action uh, at mm. times. And like the way it was cut together in the trailer was so much more interesting than it was in the film. That being said. I, I thought Karen Gillan was great in the role. Um, there are fight scenes in this film that are worth seeing. Um, there's a bowling alley one-er is unbelievable. Um, the dead arm scene I thought was really cool. Um, you know, there are scenes that I really dug. I thought Giamatti uh, was good in the role. I, I thought Lena Headey was good in the role. I actually appreciated the mother-daughter aspect of it. It's so funny because I've seen it. It was a couple weeks ago that I saw it, um, and now that I'm like re- rehashing it in my mind, I I think I do like it more than I than I thought I did. I mean, I think mm-hmm. I think it's a solid action film. Is it any? It's nowhere near as good as the movies it's paying homage to, obviously. Um, oh. And I think and there's so many other better films that have played with this idea. The John Wick aspect, obviously, is there. You know, you the the blondes and the um, what else? Well, the other one, nobody well, with John
0: Wick. With John Wick the thing that this movie tries to do is is build on the world in a weird yeah. kind of way like the idea of a library as a place you same go world to,
3: basically as john get, wick it feels like john wick yeah but
0: even i'm gonna throw out an example the the kid detective did a better job of oh, building its yeah, world I love kid and detective. making it quirky and weird you know that this movie tried to do that but missed it just missed well,
3: at the at the same time, like the way John Wick builds its world is so much better than the way Gunpowder Milkshake builds its world. I mean, yeah. and, and 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 kind of what to what you're saying just now. Like I'm more interested when I'm playing around in the world with John Wick. I, I, I like when he walks into the hotel and talk, talks to is it Lance Reddick. Who's at the Who's yeah. at the um, at the front desk? Like mm-hmm. that to me felt more interesting. But at the same time, I I re- I did dig the Karen Gillan story. I dug the backstory. I dug the mother aspect of it. That the action scenes were, were were good enough to watch. Um, I mean, I would give the movie a three and a half. I I I liked it. I think significantly more than you guys did, but I didn't love it. So I'm okay. kind of in a weird place where I do recommend it. Cause I think it has some really cool action set pieces. And I think performance wise, it is worth seeing, especially for the bowling alley winner. That shot is awesome. And I'm not okay. saying a scene makes the movie worth seeing, but I don't think people are gonna be disappointed if they watched it. But if you watch the trailer before it, it's definitely a downshift um, okay. from the, from the tone of the trailer. Yeah. i
0: to get to uh, escape room tournament champions so that we can all dive into space jam and new legacy. Um, I've had fun with both of these escape room movies so far. Uh, I didn't expect to. They're, uh, they're kind of just, you know, these one-off horror franchises where these people get themselves trapped in, in an escape room. There's a, there's a bigger mythology going on. Not quite a Saw, uh, level mythology, but there's some sort of gamesmanship that there's a a person who's funding all of these things. uh, And there are reasons why these people are getting trapped in the rooms and, and being selected to participate in these games. I thought that the traps in the first movie were very fun, very creative. Uh, And going into this movie, they, they obviously realized like, okay, the first one made a ton of money. Let's put that money back into production for this one, because the rooms that the people get trapped in are off the charts, entertaining. Um, Like one is a recreation of a subway car And it's a weird game of, like, Hangman that they have to find all these different letters around the the subway car, and every time that they get the wrong letter, they get shocked, and um, it it plays really well. This concept of the Tournament of Champions is really fun because when you meet all the people who are playing in the new... Uh, In the new movie, in the story of the movie, you learn that in in a Hunger Games kind of way, there have been other escape room tournaments at other places around the world. And these are the people who managed to survive that one. So now all the survivors are playing against each other. I think they're doing a pretty good job of building out this mythology. Now, you know, it could go off the rails completely if they keep trying to make them. But so far over the course of these first two, I have found them to be pretty entertaining as long as you know what you're going into. So um, I I think escape room tournament champions is worth going in. Uh, seeing in a theater, it's got some pretty good kills. It's got some pretty good scares, and uh, and the rooms themselves are are worth kind of going to. So, uh, this brings us to Space Jam: A New Legacy, uh, which is going to be available in theaters and also on HBO Max. And uh, I don't know where do we want to start. Let's start with um. Let's start with oh, Jake. You saw it. You no, haven't I haven't seen it. it. No. All right, Kev, you go first on Space Jam: A New Legacy because you liked it. No,
3: uh, liked liked it is a is a, um. Let, let me let me expand on that okay. a little bit. Okay. Um, Please do. Okay. 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 Um, <laughs> the first Space Jam is great for what it was. I enjoyed it. What is it? Like an 85, 90 minute movie or sure. however long that film was. Uh, I still appreciate it today. We did a rewatch on our show. The animation still holds up. I actually find the animation in the first one to be even more impressive because it's you know the whole hand drawn aspect of it mixed in with the live action is pretty amazing. Uh, I'm not saying the animation here doesn't look good, but I think the technology has gotten to a point where it's not as impressive. I yeah. guess what I would say mm-hmm. um, this movie's too long. It's it's 30, 35 minutes, way too long. Uh, I, I would. It's argue. Two it. it's, it's two
0: full hours. It's two full hours. Full hours.
3: Um, the first half of the film, I didn't I didn't dig. Um, I thought that LeBron was flat. Um, there I didn't find there was an energy to him. He didn't feel like he wanted to be there. Um, in the first half, uh, but then once the second half ramped up and we got into the game itself, which is in the trailer, I'm not spoiling anything. Um, when you get to the actual uh, game, that's when it amped up for me. I actually thought LeBron amped himself up there too. There's actually a moment in the film where I felt like he turned into. A, a better actor um mm-hmm. and because he already did great work in train wreck i thought judd wow. apatow got a great performance out of him when this movie begins his first lines aren't good like there are like moments where i was just like what what is going on this guy is actually i think a legitimately good actor from the terms of train wreck i was expecting a little more from him and it just felt flat um once the second half hits then I started to really enjoy it. They spend way too much time with Don Cheadle's character in the beginning and the algae rhythm aspect of it. Um, but then with the game, I was I was all in. Um, it's too long. First half isn't as good as the second half. I'm kind of middle on the road. I did not hate it as much as Sean did. And, and Sean can kind of get into the term if he hated it or not. Um, it is a very big ad for Warner Brothers, clearly, at the end of the day. I think Sean, <laughs> Sean will touch on that. Uh, it is. It feels a little shameless, uh, or, or what's the word I'm looking Soulless. for? Soulless. Soulless. Uh, I mean, it, there are times <laughs> where you feel like you're being advertised to about the Warner Brothers catalog. It doesn't. It almost doesn't feel like they're naturally bringing in. Now that I'm talking about it more, they, the more I kind of dislike. I dislike they're it. Not um, <laughs> they're, they're not at all. They're not at all. But there, are,
0: there. Well, are, well, let me let me just uh, say, we had I a haven't actually on vocalized the site.
3: this yet. Out. So we this had a is conversation on the
0: site today where someone pitched a list, and it was like ex-Warner Brothers references that you might have missed in Space Jam. <laughs> no. I was like, you're not going to miss any of them. No. They all smash you over the head of <laughs> Obvious.
3: So it, here's the thing. So the second half of the film I liked. So that that's kind of where I'm, as you can tell in my vocalization of my review that I'm doing right now for the first time, this is the first time I vocalized my thoughts in this film. So bear with me in terms of my jumping back and forth. Um, it was it, It's a mixed bag for me. There are things in there I liked I thought LeBron got better throughout the film. The animation is incredible once you get to the actual basketball game. Um, I actually liked, and I don't know if Sean liked these scenes or not. These are in the trailers, so it's not a spoiler. They actually jump into physical live-action scenes from the Warner Brothers catalog. So we jump into, like, Mad Max. We jump into, um, you know, the Matrix. something. Yeah, there's some. I kind of dug the way they played around with that. So mm-hmm. for me, but at the same time, I also understand where Sean's about to come from about it being a, just a gigantic ad for Warner Brothers. So I didn't dislike it as much as Sean did, but I also understand where you're about to come from. I'm kind of in a mixed.
7: Can I, as someone bag. who hasn't seen it, can I can I interject a, a quick thought? I'm curious as to your thoughts. Like we know what movies are Warner Brothers, and we understand the idea that if it's in this, it's because they own. Does the average person like? Are they going to see this and, and make the connection that all of oh. the, the products are Warner Brothers like that? No, like Jake. Are
3: they... they tell you.
7: Oh shit! Over okay, never mind. and I'm over sorry. I take and over again. I'm sorry. They literally
3: my... say Warner Brothers. They I, I think they might say Warner Brothers. The actual term Warner Brothers. Yeah. They might say those two words. 100 times 15 20 times yes the the <laughs> world that don cheeto lives in is called the warner brothers server verse yes <laughs> it's <laughs> like like that's what it's called yes um, and the, so the tech, why the didn't tech they call it had... a,
0: why didn't they call it hbo max
3: wouldn't he be in hbo max <laughs>
4: i guess <so. laughs> I, I don't yeah. know I don't, but that's <laughs>
0: the thing like the references to those movies are i don't think aimed at kids at all like no. when they go into casablanca When they go in, like, there's a lengthy Mad Max reference. Which I thought was cool. One of the Looney Tunes characters is, like, spraying the the stuff in his mouth. That was cool. And I was like, what kid? I looked at Brendan to see if he was even going to, oh, you liked it? But this is a movie aimed at kids. They have no clue what this is. Yeah,
3: but at the same time, it's like Pixar, right? So, like, there are things in Soul that I got that a 12-year-old kid might not got. So, if you think about it, from a perspective of a parent, if they're going to see Space Jam, I get those, the Matrix and the Mad Max stuff. It's like mm-hmm. the parent can have fun with it. But also the kid doesn't necessarily need to know the scene okay. as w- as much as we do. But dude, seeing LeBron no, no, no. in like Mad Max get up,
0: Hold that on. was kind
3: of fun. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, sorry. That was, I like I'll get that to, scene.
0: Uh, but I'll get to a point where, I, where they went over the top for me. Okay. All right. But that's not even, first off, the fact that this is a two hour commercial, not just for the Warner Brothers catalog, but for LeBron yeah. James also. Like, I don't know how many times I need to be told how great LeBron is at basketball. I get it. Like, there's a there's an endless stream of references to the amount of things sure. that LeBron has accomplished. Right. Totally fine. I get it, right? Um, but, but, but beyond that. And again, I think LeBron was not good in this. Um, I think he's... I, you don't he, think he got
3: better in the second half? I thought he got better in the second half.
0: There is. I know the moment you're talking about, and I know he when he fun. comes out... He gets more fun. Yes, yeah. fine. But that's like the last 10 minutes of the movie. It really is the last 10 minutes. I could not get over the fact that the amount of Warner Brothers IP that they beamed in to watch the movie, to watch the game at the end of the the big game, they pull in from the entire Warner Brothers catalog all of these characters that are going to be courtside watching this game. Ready player one. So you will spend, and honestly, go back and watch the movie and just spend time looking in the backgrounds because they don't take digital recreations of the actual characters. They get bad cosplay of people playing Arnold Schwarzenegger's Mr. Freeze or uh, Agent Smith from The Matrix. Um, the guys from Clockwork Orange are sitting there watching Space Jam I don't know. cool Jim okay. Carrey's The Mask is there um, I didn't mind that old 1960's Batman and Robin are there and they're pointing at the people as they're playing and then every time the camera spun I saw somebody new Will Smith's character from Wild Wild West is there it's the most random <laughs> Warner Brothers IP I've ever seen in my entire life as just a commercial but it's weird in a way because like they do this thing where they need the people on the court to get their lines out. So everybody in the back is just quietly pretending they're at a the basketball <laughs> game. Oh, it's awful. It's awful. But the way, well, the
3: way you just described it, I got to see it now. Dude, <laughs> <You> got- <laughs> I, it's, I, it's definitely not as bad as he's saying it is. It's also not great. That's I, I'm, I'm middle of the road, mixed bag. Sean obviously actively yeah. dislikes the film. I, I, <laughs> I think it has moments that I enjoyed. It's okay. not that bad, but it's nowhere near as good as the first one.
0: Okay. 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 Let's yeah. get to this week's blend game. We pivoted. We were going to do food scene blend, as I mentioned in a little bit. We're going to do that after the fact. We're going to do that next week because we lost an icon and someone who has been incredibly important to us uh, as uh, as film fans uh, growing up, he made he made a number of of incredibly strong films, incredibly influential films. Mm. to us is Richard Donner, uh, who passed away at ninety one, led an incredible life uh, both as a director and as a producer. And so we're playing Richard Donner blend. We got great responses uh, from everybody who chimed in. Uh, Jake, let's start with you. Where, where are you going for your favorite Richard Donner?
7: Uh, I got to go. With Lethal Weapon. Um, <sighs> it 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 perfected it it it, it maybe. I don't, obviously, it didn't create the genre of uh, the the buddy cop movie, but I don't think it had been done as well up to that point. And to be honest, I don't think it's been done. Like it is, it is, it is the buddy cop movie by which all buddy cop movies shall be judged. Um, it's you know, when you talk about any if if a buddy cop movie were to come out tomorrow, everyone's review at some point would use the words "lethal weapon." Um, and it's there are so many factors to it. Um, you know, like. Richard Donner knew, like, I understood sort of to 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 allow Mel Gibson and Danny Glover to kind of do and uh, recognize the chemistry that they had and allow them to take the forefront. But it's also, like, an incredible story. And, like, the action is awesome. And it's not, like, it's not one thing has to be stronger because the other things are weaker. All three, or three in my head, as I'm visualizing it, aspects of what make Lethal Weapon are great, but they're all kind of maneuvering, they kind of do this tangle where like at some point he lets the guys sort of take the lead and just let them be the focus of the movie. And then at a certain point you let the action kind of take the forefront because the action's awesome. And then it's also like a really killer story. So you like you, you really push the story forefront. And it's this really nice blend of all three things just meshing and working well. It's like three puzzle pieces that just do that perfect little snap into place. Um, and it's it's my, it's my favorite movie of his by far and, and one of one of the greatest action films ever made, ever made.
0: Yep. Kev, where are
7: you?
3: So uh, I'm I, I wondering if Sean and I went with the same one. I do want to just give a special shout out to Lethal Weapon 4, which I love. I love um, Lethal Weapon 4. I love Lethal Weapon 4. I There's not Jet a bad Le- Lethal Weapon. There's no bad Lethal Weapon. I'm with you. I thought 4, I, four particularly I love. Um, I, I'm going to go with Superman only because... Of this reason. I rewatched it recently for the first time. Uh, it's been a long time since I'd seen I haven't seen that movie probably since I was a kid uh, with my dad. who used to play on TV all the time, right? Um, when I rewatched Superman recently, I got to watch it in 4K. It, it, it blew my mind because it's 1978. Mm-hmm. And you think about where we are now in terms of superhero films. What I loved about it was the, the caliber of actors who were in that film, in a Superman comic book film in 1978. Like, we're in a a time period now where it's just normal to see Downey and these big stars show up in the Marvel films. But for Brando and Hackman uh, and Christopher Reeve, obviously, I mean, like, you think about, especially Brando, because Brando's coming off of Godfather at this point. What what year was the first Godfather? 70, 70,
7: 72? Yeah, 72 or 73.
3: Right. And then he does does two, and then... And then you do Superman four years later, <laughs> and it's, it's a really cool thing. So, um, and this is something I actually learned recently: the Mario Puzo aspect of it—the guy who wrote um, *Godfather*—is Godfather. that the same person who wrote the story for this movie? Because I, don't know. I was looking I've never heard on that the. I, the only reason I noticed that I'm, I'll double check it on IMDb. So IMDb says Mario Puzo's the story. And obviously Jerry Siegel and Joe, and, and Joe Schuster, they're, they're, they're being credited in terms of the writing and the creating, obviously, but huh, Mario Puzo is, 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 story, is story credited. Now, I don't, I don't know if that's accurate. And the only reason I noticed that was because the opening credits of Superman are some of the best I've ever seen. Yeah, they are really cool. Like that opening credits is so, and it's so simple. It's, it's not like a crazy uh, spectacle. It's just, it's just words and, t- and titles, yeah. but the way it's done is so cinematic. It just—I—I—I—I I, I, I got to a point in my life where I was kind of like over the idea of opening credits. I kind of wanted a movie just to start, so I didn't know oh. I was watching a movie. But as I was watching this version of Superman, I—I I dove into the universe in that opening credits. Um, and it wasn't—it wasn't—it didn't have to be a scene or anything. It's it was like just turning
7: the first page into a comic book.
3: one hundred percent. Here
7: we like here yeah, yeah, we yeah. are. This is the world we're in.
3: The music. Uh, it also completely Great made me music. understand uh, Sean's love of John Williams' score. And like, obviously, I knew the score. I've seen the film. But I hadn't seen this Superman after watching all of these Marvel and DC films we've been watching for the past 10 or 15
0: years. It is so a triumphant score.
3: It's 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 an outstanding film. To think about that movie being made in a bubble before superhero movies were really kind of a big deal yeah. yep. is, 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 it's fascinating to me. I took it seriously. I, I, right. I'm trying, I'm trying to think of Brando getting a script after Godfather one and two, after all the movies he made in, in, yeah, yeah, in the fifties yeah. and sixties and then going, I want to make, I want to make a Superman movie. Yeah, and yeah. like, and just like the, and even the graphics, the, the white, outfits that they're wearing um and uh, uh, before like the planet it's explodes it's hey, yeah. so interesting and so vibrant and so immersive and so i don't know I, I i just had a very different experience with this film than i did as a kid well, i'm 37 years old it, cha- 2001,
0: it cha- changed 2001 2001 star wars um Close encounters, they were starting to open the door to sci to fi, you know? Right. So Brando reads about Krypton, you know, and playing Jorel. I'm sure he thought, like, all right, I'm going to get in on this. By, by the way, and this,
3: forgive my ignorance on this, Brando calls it Krypton in the movie. Um, <laughs> I think I think people are
0: just afraid to correct him. Yeah, yeah. What? I'm sure. So
3: is that what it was? Because, so is it
0: Krypton or is it yes, Krypton? It's Krypton. Krypton. Why does he? They say doubt.
3: Krypton. I looked at Lauren. I'm like, wait a second. Did Brando just say Krypton? What? Because yeah. it's Marlon Brando. Yeah. It's Marlon Brando. Yeah. He did what he but wanted. You're, and lucky, you're,
7: you're lucky he showed up to set. Okay. Like just <laughs> but, uh, before Sean yeah. interjects, I, I will say one of the, a testament to how how big of a film that was and why it works is to me the tagline. Because remember, like you know, we take for granted today all the stuff that we see and then believe <clears throat> on the big screen. Their tagline was, "You'll believe a man could fly." Yep. And yeah. like that movie was like convinced people like holy shit like how are they like we forget like you know like put yourself back in in 1978 when that came right. out like that tagline perfectly suited that right. period and that yeah. moment and, and how audiences yep. ingested that film and really how much we take for granted today i think so, so well, sean, go ahead no
3: no i completely agree with you and one other thing i'll make before sean goes to his uh pick is is this as i'm watching the film it actually made me appreciate what snyder did more with man of steel because i hadn't seen this superman since i had seen snyder's man of steel um i hadn't seen this superman since i was a kid but like to see the themes that donner was playing with and to see how snyder then explored and kind of pushed those even more forward um it's an outstanding achievement and i think in the bubble of when that film was made i mean yeah you can knock the graphics nowadays if you want to. But at the end of the day, I said graphics like it's a video game, this, the, the special effects. But at the end of the day, I mean, the miniature work on that film is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, So to me, that's my favorite Donner film only because it was, a, it was a, a very cool experience to experience it again years later after all the stuff we've been watching. It was a very different film for me. So that's my favorite. Awesome.
0: Um, I was deeply torn between both of your picks and didn't go with either of them. Um, I probably hmm. would have leaned towards Lethal Weapon because I adore that film uh, with all of my heart. But in a way that Kevin often talks about T2 arriving at a time that it was just like perfect for him. Changed everything. The Goonies in 1985, when I was 11, oh. was just everything. Yeah. Um, and I don't think I can ever overlook the the impact that that movie had on me for several years after. Um I probably I probably don't think I've talked at length about this on the show but like I'm sorry, I I didn't realize that you were a Goonies fan
3: <sighs> neither did I. But I'm, I'm I'm actually a little bit surprised by this pick because and Same. to 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 Sean's point and to the and to his answer why this pick is awesome it shows you how diverse his filmography is. But go ahead.
0: Yeah. Um yeah, oh Donner yeah, the fact that Donner did this is and I love that Donner Crazy. would tell stories about like he hated working with the kids like mm-hmm. He wanted nothing to and, do with and them. that
7: Spielberg prank. You heard about the Spielberg prank? <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I don't know
3: this. I don't know it's Spielberg.
7: Basically, like, I think Donner was, like, ready to go when the Goonies were over. He just wanted to get the hell out of there, and he booked a vacation <laughs> to Hawaii. And basically, he's walking down the beach in Hawaii thinking, like, oh, my God, thank God, it's finally, I'm finally done. And he looks in the distance and sees the kids running toward him, waving. Spielberg had booked them all flights to
0: Hawaii. <laughs> That's amazing. <And> <laughs> um, oh... So Goonies is one of those movies that, I, I mean, I loved it so much. And so as a kid, I was collecting, um, like, magazines would come out that, like, introduced you to, like, behind the scenes, meet the kids who played the Goonies. I was absorbing all of that. Um, I was going, I was begging my parents to take me to uh, Goodwill so I could get, um, like, a a long green jacket like Data Wears. And I would <laughs> fill the pockets um, with things that would sort of mimic... Uh, His gadgets, I I swear to God, I had an idea for something that I wanted to build that I thought would I I, I was trying to convince my father that it would work. I wanted us to go around to um, um, uh, dumps, essentially, like places where you bring old cars, because back in the day, in order to pop the hood of the car, there was like a coil, like a spring coil that would Mm. that would push up the front of the car. And I thought that if I could slice off the bottom layer of my sneaker and then put three of those coils from, the, and then reattach the thing, that I would be able to trigger um, like spring shoes. And then I could run. That was my data invention because I was obsessed with this movie. I That's begged awesome. my parents to vacation in Oregon because I was convinced that I could go around and find a cave uh, that would allow me to go on some kind of adventure. Um, I just... All of the personalities from the kids in the Goonies I feel like I had a sliver of each of their personalities. Like I I wanted to be inventive, like data. I, I wanted to be funny, like mouth, like mouth, taking the, the lady around and speaking Spanish, but telling Mouth like, here's where we put all the drugs. Like I, that humor to me was so perfect. Um, I wanted to be a good kid. Like Mikey was like, Mikey is a great leader. And then like the fact that this movie even introduces the Fratellis and the weirdness that is sloth and, and where this is going to go, but it finds like the heartwarming element of it. like, I understand now that people have gone back to try to rewatch Goonies and it's, it's kind of grating, you know, it's just kids screaming at each other <laughs> for sure. the entire bit, Funny, but to at be fair, 11, our podcast. yeah, essentially at 11, it's literally like someone stuck a camera in the back of my head and just like beamed out of my eyes, the, the movie that I was waiting to see. And so it's, it is clearly one of those influential films, uh, that, that sent me down this path. So I couldn't not choose it.
3: The emotional story that you just told is exactly why i love our show like that is like that that's exactly why we do the blend game like that is like such a personal thing like like like, like we're, you're not saying the goonies is the greatest movie of all time you're saying no. what it meant to you yep. at that time and the fact that you're now in your 40s and you can go back and remember those exact details of what that movie did for you. Yep. And it just, it, it, it's an incredible thing. I, I actually feel honored that I got to hear you tell that story because like that to me is why we do this show. That's why we love movies so much. I mean, look at the excitement that you just told that and all I'm, the detail. And I, I was imagining your shoes with springs and like oh, jumping. I, I, I was like, I want I, I hope you, someone should make those. That sounds now awesome. that I
0: have kids, I can only <laughs> imagine my father as I, tried to convince him this is why we need to drive around to the dumps because right. i want to take the springs off of the he must have been like just shut the fuck up will you, please just go? will you please just go away and i was like no no i swear if i just cut the layer off of my shoe i can turn him into springs i had a whole system in place where i was going to put like hooks like a hook in, a, in an eye to hold them closed and there would be a string that went up my leg and I would pull the string and they would undo the <laughs> hooks. And then that's when the spring shoes would come out. So whatever the anniversary was for Goonies, I think it was like 30 years ago recently. I forget what the, so 85, 95, 2005, 2015. Yeah. 2020. 30, it, been it was 35, 35, 35 it was 2000. 35. Yeah. 35. They were holding uh, a fan convention in Astoria uh, where they filmed it. So you can go to visit the locations. They're going to have a screening up on the thing. And, um, I, I worked every angle I could through their convention and visitors Bureau to pay for my travel out there uh, and then for whatever reason something was going at work and I couldn't make it and I was ah. I was kind of heartbroken because I would have loved to just go out and see see all those locations mm. where they filmed the goonies so let's see Christine Nicole and India Christina picked the omen, oh, again, I love the omen. Love talking the about omen. Donner's filmography yeah. how different it is uh Jake Skelly says conspiracy theory. Uh, that's saying that's that it's what totally I want to an underrated
3: movie. Underrated movie. Yeah. That's it. what yeah. he
0: says. Totally underrated. Uh, Ralphie Ezra and Isaiah Washington went with Lethal Weapon. Kimberly Sue and Andrew Meller said the Goonies. Uh, Satyis Gotti uh, went with Lethal Weapon two and singled that one oh. out. Doug Verby went with Scrooged. Uh, Stephen John Palmer, Harry Lickman, and many others went with Superman. So, like I said at the beginning of this game, we are going to do hashtag Food Scene Blend next week so hold your picks uh, send them in to us via email at realblend.com i'm excited or about that. use them on uh social media uh we have a review this week from someone named robert hillier who says long time listener second time reviewer with this past <laughs> episode being so opinionated i thought i could chime in on where i do and don't agree with each of you oh all right, this is going to be really interesting. What was the episode that we um, were, I think Fast this and is, furious.: I think this is ah. after
4: the Soderbergh episode, which I guess
0: was Fast and Furious. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
7: that was pretty opinionated. Yeah,
0: was pretty Sean, needed. he writes to me, I love your views on superheroes and specifically Marvel movies. I also don't love Lord of the Rings as much as many do, but Kill Bill is one movie and your opinion <laughs> on Gladiator is beyond me. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> okay. Jake. Oh, I, for the life of me, don't understand your dislike of Endgame. But I actually thoroughly enjoy (laughs) Larry Crown and your overall love for Tom Hanks. (laughs) This is great. I kind of love this. I want more reviews where people come at us individually. Please. Kevin. Kevin. Oh, no. I love the Fast and Furious movies and wholeheartedly agree with your opinion on them. I just can't wrap around Face Off deserving an Academy Award. See... Uh. it kind of bothers me that like like the, like the most the
7: thing that he most agreed with me
0: on is yeah. larry crown yeah it's kind of that's that's on brand for you
3: i will clarify good. i think cage and travolta deserved best actor nominations okay. i didn't say picture
0: gabe i share your love for whodunits and particularly lives out I just can't fully get on board with your view on Rise of Skywalker. All right,
1: Rise of Skywalker fan.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I love hearing all your opinions and helping them to form my own, and getting the perfect amount of debate and playful banter. (laughs) Thank you all for providing two and a half hours or so of entertainment during my many commutes a week so robert thank you so much for that review Did that dude like won else? me over i was yeah, so excited and i was
3: like <laughs> oh, oh no oh, God.
7: <laughs> why'd you have to go there with the face off you had Hey, me, imagine I'm being told the best thing about you is that you like larry crown <laughs>
0: he should have said road to perdition road to perdition would have made oh, a 19th more anniversary sense. yesterday Oh, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> what an insignificant anniversary for to celebrate. <laughs> Insignificantly 19... <Yeah, it's> <laughs> kick
7: your ass. How about that? It's the 18th 19... and a half anniversary. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Who even pays attention uh, to that? All right, our next premium I mean, episode. You know, what? I'm
7: gonna, you know what? The next time you get have a weird anniversary with Michelle, i am be like, oh, yeah. that's insignificant. <laughs> Dude, no one cares. Good good point, point, actually. I, wouldn't even,
0: I wouldn't even bring up the 19th that's anniversary. not a
7: bad point. Oh, I'm sure she would love to hear that. Well, I'm not, not going to mention on the point. show.
0: It's that's not, not a, a bad point. point. Are you ashamed? Right. Anyway, our next premiere episode is uh, behind the scenes. Premium, premium. We're not Disney+. Plus. <laughs> what did I say? Disney+, <laughs> Disney, the next Disney, Disney+. Plus, Plus premiere
3: access Premier. episode of Real <laughs> Blend. Right? $30. Premiere access.
0: <laughs> uh, behind the scenes of Quentin Tarantino. And let me tell you guys, we have a lot of stories to share. Uh, not just of the build up to the show, but of the night itself. It was, It's pretty insane. So you're going to want to listen to that. It'll drop on Monday. Again, you can get access to this and all episodes of Real Blend Premium at cinemablend.com backslash real blend premium. Follow us on social media at Jake's Takes, at Kevin McCarthy TV, at Sean underscore O'Connell and at Gabe Kovach. You can follow the show at at real blend and we'll be back next week with an all new episode so make sure you're right back here where you get your podcast needs met. Uh Duel. The BFG! Oh. <laughs> what (laughs) happened to Hubie? No, No, Spielbergs. We're shouting Spielberg Spielberg names. We've been been doing this for like
3: like five five months. I want Spielberg to direct Hubie too. You should.
1: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership.